um, who was also interested, and we just kind of like banged a keyboard until something happened, and then, <laughs> boom. <laughs> okay, how much of you banging keyboard and getting excited by that versus like the astronaut path do you think is hype? Hmm. I think there are elements of hype to both, honestly. Um, Ooh, the astronaut thing is hype. Well, I think like there's always hype to exciting things. Mm. But <clears> hype <throat> implies that it's like a superficial excitement, whereas I think astronaut mm. is like a fundamentally philosophically sound oh, right, right. sort we of excitement. We should talk about this one. Like why? Okay, so why space, right? So I, sure. I think okay, there's just so many things that we could be working on that are like like here's the thing, right? Some people like the their like direct goal is just to get rich as fast as possible some people their direct goals like there's so many things and you know it's not wrong no shame or anything right superficial well, though right so i do judge part. it oh you do judge i it. think that is okay, shameful, i always yeah. keep an open mind with i do too but too... you not such an open mind that your not brains that. fall out All you right. have to have some opinion you have to have some judgment <clears throat> i think so that you can make better decisions and hang out with better people hmm. or else you're just like so open that like you have no direction i think it's worth having some opinion that is like actually Strongly stated. Strongly, yeah. I guess having, like, some boundaries, is that what you're kind of getting at? Like, how do you view those? Sorry, I didn't mean to make an offshoot. I, you were making a point, and I interrupted oh, yeah. you, but... No um, worries. The point was just that, like, there's just so many things that we could be working on, but I think it's, like, existential to not, like... We have the opportunity to go to Mars if we really put our heart and energy into it, hmm. and I think it requires a lot of collaboration. Like, that's just a fundamental thing. Like, you know, tech like funding all these things they all require this ingredient of a collaboration right and and so that that's like just the fundamental part to us being able to achieve you know that goal of becoming an interplanetary species over our lifetime because if you think about it, every single accomplishment every single achievement that's ever been done just like in human recorded yep. history has been localized Big team. exactly on this earth and oh. so it's like what if we could just expand? You know, yeah. we're literally expanding our understanding of the universe. Like, yeah, we man. only understand, like, such a small percentage. So much stuff out there is dark matter. Sure, you can set up probes and instruments outside and, like, you know, try to, like, get a better understanding of the universe. But I think there's, like, a different aspect if you're, like, physically, like, you're, you're recording empirical evidence. You're, you're on that surface. You found a way to survive there <clears throat> with whatever, like, habitat or, like, whatever set up that you know, we as a species come up with. So I think that's like, I mean, this wasn't my reason why I wanted to go to space like five years ago, but this is kind of like my thinking right now. I think with more experiences, um, I'll, I'll like, like, here's the thing. Like, I think there's a lot of people my age who sometimes are very like, yes, this is what I want to do. And I'm so confident that I'm going to do this. And this is who like, I want to become like, that's great. And I have that as well, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm too open-minded, but I always have the kind of like the point of view that I'm going to gain more experiences in like the next few years that will probably fundamentally change a lot of these different things and will also enhance <clears throat> my point of view on certain things or make like it'll either like strengthen my point of view on like certain things I want to work on or it'll like be falsifying evidence to like pivot towards something else. It's so funny because I haven't had the investor mindset really until now. And now I see you a little bit through investory lenses. And as you're saying, oh, in the next few years, I may have a fundamental shift in what I prioritize. That to me is not investable, but maybe right. actually because, so if you look at Elon, um, I think he's a good model of investability where his priority was space also. I mean, electric vehicles and climate mm -hmm. change and space. Those are kind of like the and neural, anyway, he's had a number of other ones, yeah. but I think primarily it's like, 
you know, global warming and space. When he was founding Zip2 and he was founding PayPal and X.com and all these things before those companies, you know, even if he had some sort of epiphany like, ah, space is where we need to get to, that he would still be a good idea to invest in at that point. Um, right. And so for you, if in the next couple of years you have this sort of like revolution in, in your thinking mm -hmm. and you think, oh, suddenly like actually these are new sets of priorities, that doesn't necessarily mean that your current project, Sonder and, and crypto, is a thing that you will abandon. You may actually double down because you right. see it as a means to an end, which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. It could still be a good thing for investors in you. Yeah, I guess like I, I, I wasn't really speaking from like considering the investment point no of view, i know but that's i'm, think, I'm putting yeah. it in there now <laughs> thinking about that now um the way that i guess i would portray it to like when people would ask me that question like actual like this morning i had like three vc calls <laughs> yeah that's great yeah, it was back to it was pretty it was pretty cut and dry but um <clears throat> oh no hmm? cut and dry doesn't sound good oh well as in like we we're not actively fundraising right now like I, they yeah. just wanted to talk just information collecting yeah, yeah. okay yeah, right. basically. interesting yeah <laughs> Um, but no, I think, uh, having like investing in trajectory, I think that's an interesting thing to think about because I, I think when I reflect on myself, I've always had this like pattern of wanting to like falsify or like improve on like my current beliefs and change it when there's better evidence and stuff like that. I think that's always like, that's probably like a good trend because I don't think it's necessarily as good to like, you know be so tunnel vision on something that you don't see a different pathway or have that open-mindedness. Um, I like to consider a lot of different things. And this is something that I've actually been working on, which is that some, like last year I would sort of, when I had to make decisions, I would collect too many opinions. This is a problem that I had where I would just keep delaying a decision to wait until like, and like, oh, just one more. I need just one mm. more person. Um, <clears throat> nowadays I've kind of accepted that, like you really can't, like you have to make decisions off incomplete evidence, um, and that's okay. Like you know, as long as things are, uh, this is another interesting thing that I, like mental model I think about a lot. Like irreversible, like two-way doors versus reverse, like reversible decisions versus like irreversible decisions. Um, so like yeah, if it's like reversible, which most things are, like 98% decisions are probably reversible, then just go for it. Yeah. Send it. The, doesn't work. Okay, move on. Just yeah, move, go back. Yeah, yeah. Come back. Yeah, I yeah. agree. One hundred percent. That's a very startup mindset. Like move fast, break things. Yeah, move especially back. in the first, you know, year, two years of the company. Yeah, and the other thing is like, um, even one of the VCs asked me as well. Like, oh, <clears throat> like, actually, okay. Like, there's also a really good customer call that happened yesterday, which is totally different. Like, I really like that. And we learned a lot. But the, um, the, he also brought up a different person. The VC brought up some interesting point, which was like. He asked about, like, oh, congrats on the launch. I saw you launched that. Ah, how's that going? Like, and then my response is kind of like, <clears throat> you know, thanks a lot. But um, again, for context, like the way that we view like launching isn't like some big spectacular thing that we need to go yeah. to. Like we just, I, I just told him like, we just like push features that like our customers or our potential customers want us to do based on our conversations with them every like two days. So you have rolling launches <clears throat> all the time. Yeah, it's not like, uh, I think like one thing again, like I'm no by by means like you know like a startup veteran. I didn't exit or anything. No. But my my sort of hypothesis is that too many startups get too bogged down into like, oh, I need to like <laughs> we need to gather everything for launch. We need to rally up the troops. We need to like make time it a whole event. YouTube, Twitter posts, yeah. all this stuff. I don't think anyone really cares. Like no. that that's the truth. Nobody really cares about your startup as much as you do. Yeah. And so, 
it's just about push like throwing out there seeing like if it's like you know swims not bring it back throw throw shit see what sticks on the wall exactly just keep keep throwing darts basically yeah Mm. how do you know when to fail when to fail um as in like when to make a decision that it's not worth pursuing anymore Mm. the fail fast mentality are we talking about like a startup context or like Oh, I mean, okay, times. yeah, let's keep it in the startup context. Okay, because okay. there's a lot of different topics you can go into. Um, uh, okay, an example was <coughs> we wanted to make an NFT. Our first idea was I wanted to make an NFT-based LinkedIn. A what? An NFT-based LinkedIn. NFT-based <coughs> and an NFT, by the way, for our listeners. Do you have a cough? It's, a, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's the copy. We can get you some water, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you feel free to just walk up. Oh, that's what's sick. You can literally just walk off the road <laughs> and go get yourself some water. Yeah, no, I, I like, every time I drink milk, because I have lactose intolerance. Oh, you yeah, have lactose. Like, I'm so sorry. No, you should okay. have said something. I, I still drink bubble tea anyways. Just in that, in that <laughs> uh, cupboard okay. on the right, there's no on the right. I mean, oh. I guess you could go there. Oh, but one bad. more to the right, there's clear glasses. Oh, you can get yourself Here. some water. Ah, uh, thank you, sir. Yeah, NFT for the listeners is, is uh, non-fungible. Yeah, just from the top. Just lift it up. It's already cold. Um, for, for listeners, NFT is a non-fungible token. So this is like a unique one-of-one potentially type item that you can create digitally now. Um, Bitcoin, obviously, each Bitcoin is interchangeable with each every other Bitcoin. NFTs is like, oh, this Bitcoin is unique. This one has this signature from this person at this time with this meta information. It makes it super unique. So you, Skylar, had an idea around what? NFTs yeah, for... So basically, I, I was volunteering at Students for the Exploration and Development Space Canada, SETS Canada, um, as a recruiting, chief recruiting officer. And I had to, like... Basically, I, I, I like had to interview a lot of people. I went for a lot of resumes for like almost two years. And one thing that I just thought about that would be cool at first, this is like the first idea, was, oh, what if like, you know, how can, like, why doesn't LinkedIn intrinsically verify work experience? What if the employer can send the employee, you know, like an NFT and then like, will you, on sort of like the user, user end, like the employee end, they can upload sort of um, media or like whatever things that they did on that job. And that gets like minted as an experience that they get to store on their on-chain resume. Um, this was something that I think mean, one thing that I was that looking back, I'm happy I did was that I didn't cling on to like the initial idea because this is an idea that I thought was super cool that we kind of like mocked up. I still think it's cool. I still think somebody's gonna <clears throat> yeah, do that. It is, um, but then like we didn't get like back to like this is a long story back to like your first question, which is like how do you know when to fail? Um, I think what we did was we just put it out there um, and we realized that like nobody really kind of cared that much or needed that. People care more about like, like the other thing is most of our users, just based on our network, are just people in college, right? Because we're college age. And so they cared more about just can they find work in Web3, right? You know, can they put food on the table? Or that's can what they... we pivoted to, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what we pivoted to. So that's where we kind of learned like, oh, okay. So it's not like a failure. It's just like, oh, okay, well, this thing isn't... You learned. Yeah, and it's going to take too much development right. time. Why don't we just do this? And it's you can still build this vision of... Um, so for me, what... Actually, if I go into a little bit of the philosophy, the current philosophy has changed a lot um, since I started, but the current philosophy of Sonder is... And also why I really like the name, right? There's just so many people mm. out there. There's so many stories, right? Think about all the, like... <clears throat> people that you'd click with, but you just would never meet. Um, it's a little bit different from what we're building, but the world that 
like five to 10 years later that I hope would be created that maybe we can contribute to is, um, so here's the thing. A lot of my, I think a lot of my friends, and this is like, there's nothing wrong with this. They get shepherded into, or in this rat race of like, for example, um, <coughs> the latte. <laughs> take another <laughs> sip of water. Take your time. Like, the there's latte. no rush. <laughs> I feel like you're in a rush to get your words. Out. Just take a deep breath and cough a little bit. You're fine. <laughs> this is my first podcast for record for those who are listening. <laughs> Honestly, very interesting already. Um, yeah, like you're describing sort of like tunnel vision rat race, kind of like what people typically just like without taking a bird's eye view, step back away from what they, you know, they don't appreciate like, hey, there's other you know, better potentially better. options, more risky, a little bit more uh, unique right. or what do you call it, uh, unconventional. Yes. And they don't, they're just not aware of it. It's not as like clear in the conscious. <laughs> <laughs> I see, like, the mic actually makes a difference. It's so funny. Like my thoughts are like more articulate when there's no mic. <laughs> I actually think it is a little better on podcast, do you think? Because like then people choose to like intentionally say things like well and the things that they're down to talk about suddenly gets focused into like it feels a little more important yes there's the stress and like the holy shit i'm like breathing faster or, like you think about your own breathing <laughs> or something but like i actually <coughs> that that is part of why and i'm no, latte. That's okay. <laughs> sorry i served him a latte before this and you're lactose intolerant so like yeah i guess yeah, you're, this is yeah. <laughs> pretty great and, and and i also have a peanut allergy so for those who want to uh you know, put a pit of peanut in my food. There oh, you go. Shit. <laughs> if you want to poison him, if he's yeah. a competitor one day, get the peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, sorry, I interrupted you again. <laughs> so, uh, Saunder, uh, we were th- fail fast. You failed, and then you pivoted. And then why, right? I'm sorry. And then like why? Like what's the philosophy behind yeah. it? Yeah. So in short, um, I just thought about like what would, you know, you can kind of picture like lying in your bed at like 2 a.m. You can't sleep. And you just like have like so many thoughts running around like what you want to do in life, and <clears throat> I think when you think about impact, there's a lot of things out there that we can like make a direct impact with like our hands, with you know knowledge as a knowledge worker, like whether that's I don't know maybe we can be um, building a school in a rural country, or whether that's like um, I don't know contributing like using your knowledge to contribute I don't know a lot of code to some sort of other movement. Like there's a lot of direct impact that we can do. But I think what's I personally was good at like in high school with like debate, model United Nations, like leading a bunch of like nonprofits. Um, I, I think like <clears throat> the transmutation of that is how can we like just imagine the world if everyone was working on things that they cared about. Like just everybody working think, on things they cared about. That's that's kind of a summary. And I thought about like holy shit, like there's so many people out there who get shepherded into these rat races, who get shepherded into these guardrails, and you know. <laughs> for maybe different reasons, could be financial. Like, there's something wrong, again. But for those who can, think about the things that they can work on if they just, like, think about how much better the world would be if people just work on things that they want to. You know, there's so many potential inventions that we just don't know about that could be created. And so much, like, there's just so much benefits that can be reaped to society that we just don't see. And so I thought about... Another thing is that why does, like... Why does your resume have to be linear? Like, for, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm only 19, so I haven't been around, like, 100 years ago. I don't know what resumes were like then. But, you know, it's still linear. Like, all the storytelling. Why do we, like, this is everything. When I would interview people, I always find it so fascinating. Because, you know, they always find a way to weave their experiences into the story. I mean, that's the coolest part. Because, like, a resume is just so linear. It's so cut and dry. It's, like, not 
<laughs> he just doesn't reflect the person. And so that's the other aspect. It's like, how can we, like, what if we can have this, like, super, like, cool, clean UI where you have all these different bubbles. Each bubble is some sort of experience that you self-declare or maybe your employer or whatever sends to you. Hmm. Um, and you get to connect the dots. That's the key thing. Like, you get to, like, weave the thread for each bubble. And it's, you know, you can imagine, like, this axis is, like, time and like you can you know it's not linear like you have different you go this you pivot yeah. here you go there i mean that's like so much more reflective of real life and so that's that's the other second part <clears throat> it's like why like this, there's just this whole paradigm in the world that you have to like package or kind of like you do this and then you do this and you mm. do this and you get here you know you it's like in consulting i'm sure investment banking it's very like you know you this is this and you become an md or you do this you get and one and you eventually become a PM and you eventually become VP, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, there's nothing wrong again, but I think the damage is for a lot of people at my age who go on like things like LinkedIn and they see like all these other things and they have this mimetic desire to want to like do all these other things that their <clears throat> seniors are doing. Um, that's something that I think, again, like remove, if we can somehow remove all that pressure and kind of like i don't know for our our kids i guess like what could they create that's that's just you know and i think if we can successfully do that if a small group of people like a startup can successfully do that i think that could be a huge i think that will be actually a huge amount of more impact because then you're you're basically like it's like teaching a man to fish right you're enabling a lot more people to <clears throat> achieve a lot more impact versus if you guys just directly to it's like a point of scale i think mm. um sorry our latte is still stuck <laughs> <laughs> that's okay i worked through it um i think yeah one thing that i've learned as a founder myself is uh yes we should talk about that too <laughs> your ability to no 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 it, I'm, I mean, you can ask me if you want whatever questions, sure. but um, the uh yeah the ability to pitch your vision in any circumstance like becomes a skill. Like you have talking points. You have like things that your mind goes back to as sort of like really insightful little points that you're making or really insightful little like vision things that you're communicating that then descend down to like the actual tactical why you're building the exact thing. And right now you're in the tough situation of this is your first podcast. You just had a latte which is making you cough all like all the, all the time. And you're like I don't know, you're still young and you're still like how many times would you say you've pitched what you just pitched there um <clears throat> which i think was great by the way like vision wise you clearly care about vision and how that informs the actual product that you're building and why you've pivoted to each thing like that to me is i think a sign of, of, of greatness from a founder kind of vision perspective <clears throat> well um i'm not sure i've pitched it quite a bit i mean to me it's just like even before working on sonder i think it was just like like i would have like so <laughs> very imagery i guess so, like i i mean chat time i fucking love chat time <laughs> like just chat time chat time like the bubble tea shop you know oh chai time yeah. it's chat chat time chat time c-h-a-t okay you like a bubble tea shop yeah yeah and so like <laughs> whenever i think about philosophical discussions i think about when i started those which a lot of times were like candid like you know these types of things one like the ones we're having one-to-one -one conversations in like a bubble tea store it's like 11 p.m at night we're just going really deep in more frustrations mm. of society and all these things. And this is one of those things that would come up sometimes, which is like this and the space thing with like, oh, we should go like live in our lifetime. But 
like a lot of times I'd be like, damn, I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I think I've become a lot more self-aware now, but a lot of times I'd be thinking, am I like doing this because of this? Like, is there, is there an influence that maybe a hidden influence that is making me do this thing or want to pursue this that maybe is not the right type of influence? Maybe it's not like from me. Like, and I, and I look at like a lot of different things. And again, this ties back into like, holy shit. Like I have friends who like, used to like this thing they used to love tinkering with this but they wanted to study this at the school because they thought that's the hot thing or they thought that's what they needed to do or because of oh why well because like oh this person went there and you know i can get into this job and blah blah um yeah do do you think there's a lack of people seeing to the end of that and i'll I'll give you an example which is Mm -hmm. like world of warcraft this game you know world multi uh, sorry uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing game kind of scenario a lot of people kind of get uh, into that and what it is really is like you kill a bunch of monsters to get a bunch of treasure so you can go back and get more weapons so that you can kill monsters better and get even better weapons and like basically uh, that's the whole game <laughs> i mean even like a game like halo or i don't know gaming in general i guess yeah. i'm kind of painting a broad brush here but this is why i judge gaming i do a little bit of it but just kind of casually to get my mind off of whatever it's the same way i play piano just kind of casually a little bit yeah um, because it's a nice little mental kind of exercise to go through but the same thing that you're describing here, the sort of like career rat race where people are like, in a sense, do you think people are just not zooming out enough? And this is what my criticism is actually going to be of what you're saying. One of the core things you brought up early was, um, you know, if only people could be allowed to create what they want to create, we'd live in a better world. I'm gonna I'm gonna critique you on that a sure, little bit. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that actually is wrong. I don't think people zoom out enough. I don't think people like I don't trust people to have a good enough vision of what they should be working on to advance society. There is way more opportunity and there's way too much amazingness that we could be aspiring to. I do think you need individual leader people who themselves have grandness of vision to direct those who do not have grandness of vision. And I know that sounds maybe arrogant or judgmental or something, but in my life experience, just going around asking people, you know, what do you think you should do with your time in your life? A lot of them just kind of say, well, you know, just kind of have good times and, you know, yeah. be myself and be happy with myself. And like, that's great. Okay, I'm actually glad that you can't just do that. I'm glad that you have to make money and you have to make a living, which means you have to develop skills, which means you have to have a career, which means you're going to come and work for me when I need a thousand people to build my rocket to go to Mars. Right. So I actually, I don't know. What do you think of what I just kind of, <laughs> Wait, that's, that's actually cool. You know, I really like it. Like when people, you know, bring these like counterpoints, cause that's good. Um, <clears throat> Challenges I would, you. yeah, no, I would agree with the, I think practically speaking, like you can't just have all leaders, right? You have to have some people who like follow, who trust and, you know, who, who do, who do the work as well alongside you. Um, I would, I would still argue that I don't think there's, I think, I don't know. I feel it again, like don't know anything about the statistics, but I feel like there needs to be more people who have, who are able or are willing to take the risk and like just full send something that they want to create. I don't think there's enough of those people. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to, uh, there aren't, I think there are enough people. So sorry. The, yeah, there isn't enough opportunity for people who want to take that risk, but I would argue that there are only like 1% to 5% of people who actually have a decent idea for what risk to take that need to go take that risk. 95% of people, if you're like, any resources you want, 
any equipment you want, any people, personnel, talent you want. Right. Go take the that. risk. They don't have an idea. Right. They don't have a thing that they're going to go and do that's actually like even a little bit logical or a little bit worthwhile. I would argue only one to five percent of people actually have an idea that is like substantial. Hmm. That's the other question. How do you evaluate ideas that are substantial? Because I, I feel like right. I, I I used to be on that side. Like oh yes, like you know, there's so many great ideas, but yeah, not all of them. Of course, most ideas you know aren't gonna work. Not but gonna that's the other that. thing. Like how do you know? Yeah. Like, and under what? Think, how do you categorize? Yeah, them? I think it's just you have to try it. Like, what judgment? Just have to yeah. Do but it. okay, so now let's say we do a hundred years of just try it. A hundred sure. years of like just let everybody just what try everything they want to do. Like? Yeah, explore whatever. <clears throat> I, I bet ninety-five percent of those people and ninety-five percent of those experiments will lead to just kind of like artists just kind of doing arty stuff that like right. is great. And it's you know us exploring the human condition and our emotions and our relationships to each other. And yes, that is humany lifey stuff. But it's going to be the one percent that, or sorry, one to five percent, maybe ten percent. Sure. I don't know. A small percentage. A small percentage of people that will end up doing, like. What I mean, this is going to be a weird term, but like meta-revolutionary stuff. So Elon, I think, is the most important human being that has ever existed yes. because he, with SpaceX, will potentially have the power to back up the entire biosphere of Earth. All the genomes, all that information could be put into one solid-state drive with a bunch of backups that is sent on a rocket that goes to Mars and then eventually other planets and it could boot up the entire Earth biosphere with enough time and whatever geoengineering. No other species, no other individual organism has ever had that power. No matter how many generations of artists that explore the human condition and like yeah. you know create projects that they think this are kind of cool. This is an actual practical thing that can change the course of human history. Yes, it is categorically yeah. different, and in my opinion, you know, again, opinion mm -hmm. is uh, superior in a sense. In the in the like, it enables more opportunity for others. It <clears throat> enables survival for longer. It is, like, a fundamentally new kind of thing. And that is investable. That, to me, is, like, okay, that's the, you know, worthy project, the worthy idea to pursue. Yeah, like, I think, I mean, again, I, I think we both lean, obviously, more science-y and all that than artsy. Um, art is great. It's beautiful. I agree. But, but it's, like, again, it's not, like, you know, the thing I love that art. you would invest in. It's not the thing that really moves the needle on our species. I, mean, I, just, I love art in the same way that I love my family and the same way that I love like nice friend experiences. Yeah. But there's just a, a hierarchy. Like the, the number one kinds of things are the philosophical and the scientific that help us understand more about this magical, mysterious thing we call existence uh, to try to get closer to the bottom of it. Mm. I think here's another thing that I'm curious to hear your take as well, but something I think about a lot. And I wonder how much this is a motivator for people. And death, basically. And it's like, I, I, okay, I don't think I really fear. I was talking to actually BJ about this. Um, I don't really fear the process of dying. I fear losing consciousness because I really like the independent ability to think. And that's what scares me, right? So there's a lot of different things, right? I mean, with longevity, I'm not sure how, like, what your thoughts are on with this specific thing and also, like, how would uploading your consciousness work onto something? Are you still able to think independently? And then you can also throw in the whole free will argument. <laughs> it's just like a lot of different things to explore. But yeah, that's something that like I think sometimes like, holy shit, like I'm only 19 once. I got a YOLO. Like YOLO, as, as stupid as people threw it around elementary school, 
it's now my phone background. It's a core philosophy. It's a, yeah, it's a core philosophy. It actually makes head. sense. Yeah, it, you, yeah, it is true. You Not enough people once. YOLO on the entire cycle of their life. They're like, I've got to save so that I can put money in the bank, so that I can be safe, so that I can put a down payment on a house, yeah. so that I can like, okay, my nest egg is there, great, and then like, nice. You lived one 90-year cycle, and then you died, and you took no risks, you didn't do anything crazy, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. Like, what? That, yeah. that cannot be... Yeah, people don't YOLO enough, in my opinion, which yeah, is why I, I find fi- founders, risk takers in the right direction, e- e- tantalizing and, and interesting. Mm. This is also our, I remember a conversation before about, like, as long, yeah, literally, you you take as many risks as possible, like, as possible, you can, like, not be in school, you can, like, just be work. you could be, like, as long as you're not dead as long as you're not like starving like you know you, you can just live off ramen noodles or something like i yep. think you're saying like if it fails you can just live on ramen noodles for eight months you'll eventually bounce back yep. like yeah that that makes a lot of sense and i think there's also the other thing is that there's a lot of things that we automatically subscribe to and opt into in terms of like rules or just like expectations society has it's not bad again but again i think we can be conscious of it yeah. and then choose to hey do we want to opt in or do we want to opt out um, that's another thing that's kind of been on my mind the last few days. Okay, let's take a step back. I feel like we went down a really nice little stream of consciousness there <laughs> that led us to just kind of like where we got. Um, sure, but yeah. let's take a step back. So you were answering, who are you as a person? You were saying you're reflecting. That led you to your kind of like uh, pivots of startups from NFT, you know, and we talked a little bit about you kind of at your core wanting to be an astronaut in exploration, but then maybe you're following an Elon-esque model where you're actually, you know, for now, crypto is a little bit hype, but a little bit actually useful and, and interesting, yeah. and it could generate a lot of money, could make you a wealthy... could also just per- make the world better, I feel like, if people, like, again, there's a lot of people out there who are super smart, who deserve, you know, a lot of different things, but they were just born, they just didn't win the lottery ticket, they were born in yeah. a place where if they wanted to do freelancing, they take a huge cut, the government takes a huge cut. Um, crypto is a way for people to avoid this whole like banking infrastructure BS. Some people, they don't even have access to a bank, so they can't go on like platforms and work. And even if they can, they get screwed over by this mm. huge cut. So crypto is one way for a solution. That's kind of where we actually, yeah. that's the you, most latest pivot. It seems like a core <laughs> thing yeah. about you, democratization and that being like a core value, which to me so. says that you kind of like believe in people. Yeah. And that's yeah. a core thing that I was saying, actually. <laughs> that's not. cool. That's cool. I didn't realize that. I mean, it's like a course. Sounding yeah, yeah. We, like 100%. You keep on going back to like, let people do the thing they want to do. You know, like if only the freelancers got their cut, you know, the people that don't get that opportunity, you kind of fundamentally believe in people and their efforts. Whereas I, you know, I believe in their efforts as well. I just want their directions to be a little bit more guided because I think right. on average, you know, an average person who just decides what they want to do with their own time themselves isn't actually going to be very useful or productive to the kind of like grander scheme of things. Yeah, I think that's a good point to be aware of. Like, your comment about the average thing. I haven't really thought about that as much. Maybe for Sandra, actually. Like, sorry, I've gone through and I've looked at your UI and we spent <laughs> some time yesterday. Yeah. Um, maybe one thing is just kind of like, and you could have this as part of your vision for the future, but like, you know, having almost like the five or six or seven most exciting vision categories that people are pursuing. And so then as somebody who's a freelancer or somebody who has skill or talent or whatever, like the employee person looking for who to get employed by, 
well, I guess you kind of make that decision early, but you know, do you want to go into space tech or do you want to like neuro tech, like you know, the neuroling kind of thing right, side of things? Right, exactly. Like here are the different visionaries that are like leading paths in these different categories, sectors. Eventually, you have this sort of like dashboard that excites people about like, ooh, which vision do I follow? Ah, uh, right. Mm. Could be interesting. Anyway, sorry, yeah, I don't mean to be There's also a lot of gamified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Anyway, so um, we, we talked about death a little bit, and that's a theme that I kind of do want to get out of everybody that I pod with. That I pod with. The pod, I pod with. The See, pod. this is so cool. It's like we, we have the, like, the experienced potter and like the noob. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. This is actually this is going well. Yeah. This is good. This is good. Okay, so what do you think happens when you die? Let me just grab a sip of water. Here, you can walk up and grab some more water. You literally mm. out it. You just took an empty I... sip of water. <laughs> you can just throw out the latte. I know that it's bothering your throat. Don't worry I, about I, it. I could, I could chug it after, but um. Oh, after, yeah. Just leave it. This, this is like what happens, like you know, on those, on those calls when you like, they ask you like, so how much are you raising? And you're like, ah, just like that. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so not raising right now. Valuation <laughs> is flirting with yeah, one Three, trillion dollars. One trillion is. We're willing to come down from one trillion. <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, what um, do you think yes. happens when you die? I mean. One sentence, okay, I'll think of different answers. One sentence answer, I don't know. Second answer, Good. I would pull from my previous experience, which, okay, so, <laughs> I know, I have a peanut allergy, I joke about it, but I have actually almost died <laughs> because of it. Wow. So, um, I was 12, I think, and I remember it's um, the doctor, his name was like Dr. Gold something, Goldman, I think, he was the guy who pretty much saved my life. And so, long story short, I had like a flake of like an almond cookie. This is why I can't have cakes. A flake. I know. And it just had may contain. That's how sensitive I was. Damn. So I had a flake. Immediately had a reaction. My lip was swelling. My tongue was like getting tingly. My parents were panicking. Okay. <laughs> I was panicking. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this is at home. So this is like, I think this is December 23rd-ish. Um, so when I was 12, I think I was like grade 6, 7, elementary school type of thing. Um, all I remember was just going to the hospital. We went to BC Children's with my mom. Um, I went through the whole thing, you know to put me on IV and everything and jab the EpiPen, I think two times. But for some reason, it was really bad. Um, I've had like at least maybe 10 reactions in my life, so kind of pretty experienced with it. But this is like maybe my second or third. It was really bad to the point where they had to like <clears throat> drive me in this thing. They had like a bunch of nurses and they had the doctor and they had to like, I was basically about to pass out. I barely couldn't breathe. And I can imagine you psychologically in that state of uncertainty feeling like, I wasn't okay, sure. you have to come to terms with death kind of. In yeah, that. so yeah. this is why I brought it up because I remember... Um, like, I'm 12. At that time, I was, like, super introverted. I didn't have many friends. I was just really bad at being social. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I, I was bullied. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You can imagine it's just your typical, like, yeah. bully, nerd, not sociable. Just, yeah. And so I was there. I, I was super scared. My mom was there. I just remember, like, on the bed, like, I'm about to pass out. Because I think, I don't know if they put me on a drug, but I did, I do remember passing out. And I wasn't sure if I was going to wake up. And it was, like... You know, now I laugh a little, but I remember, like, I was, like, scared shitless. Like, I, I was looking at my mom, and I, I, I don't know if I asked her if I was going to make it. I asked her something like that, because I, I just didn't know. I had no idea. Like, I have, like, ten, two minutes left until, like, I pass out, because, like, I could barely breathe. They're putting something on my arm, and she wasn't sure. You know, she told me she was fine, but when I look in her eyes, like, I, I don't think hmm. she knew. I don't think she was certain. Which, of course, like, you know, if I was in her shoes as a parent, I wouldn't know either. Nobody knows, right? Um, it just depends on, I guess, 
if my body like <laughs> stops overreacting to this allergen, I guess. Um, if my throat closes, if I have enough oxygen in my brain, I guess, well, it lead to brain death. So, um, <laughs> obviously, I did survive. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember. I. I don't remember. I, I only remember, like, the part before. I don't remember what happened. I just, I mean, obviously, I'm alive now, so something went well. But, yeah, I had to stay in the hot. That was my longest trip. I was there for at least two days. They were just monitoring me the whole time. Um, I think I was, like, on Benadryl, like, overkill and stuff like that. It was weird because I've had it's a different situation a few years later where I actually ate, like, a chunk. <laughs> well, significantly probably more mass of peanut, but it wasn't that bad. So that was weird. One thing I found was the time at which I eat and stab the EpiPen, hmm. the closer that delta is, the, the better the recovery. But that's an aside. The point back to <clears throat> what happens after you die. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I thought of, because uh, when I think about it, right, like in that time when I was going to pass out, because I could barely breathe, my head was fuzzy, got some on my arm, slurred speech. <laughs> I probably was thinking there's a good chance that I could die. And I would in that moment, I remember thinking like, all these experiences, like going to college or like um, spending time with friends or living on my own or getting married and having kids, like all these things I would, you know, I obviously you looked forward that. to I did think about doing. that. I didn't tell anyone. I thought about it. And I just didn't know if that would happen. And, you know, when I hear stories of like kids who have stage four and they're the same age and, you know, things like I'm just like, hmm. fuck. Yeah. yeah. Those are things that you could have had and you yeah. may not have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, death is, the, the other time was, uh, yeah, I don't know what happens, like, yeah, when, when I was in Hong Kong earlier this year, my, <clears throat> my grandpa was pretty ill, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it's my first time where I saw somebody pass away in front of me, um, I remember it was just like this hospital, my aunt was holding, you know, his head, her, her hands on his head. She was like praying the rosary. My mom was on the other side holding his hand. I actually wasn't sure if I should hold his hand or not because he looked, you know, he was so gray. Hey, would that disturb him? Yeah. yeah, I had no idea. Um, <clears throat> that day there was, you know, the heartbeat was pretty small, but like the amplitude. I remember graphically. I, I don't know how it works, but I remember he also had a pacemaker. So it was just like 40, 29, 13, 0. Those were the numbers. And it's just like I was confused because after 0, there's still a beat. I learned later it was the pacemaker, I think. Um, but I, I was just like, like I wasn't, I, mean, I, I was just like standing there. I was just like, I had no idea what to do. I, you know, just, we're in this like hazmat thing because of COVID and they're really, you know, worried about COVID in Hong Kong. And I was just like, oh shit, like, wait, did, did it happen? Like, mm. <laughs> why is it still being like, like during that time, like looking back now, like when we're sitting here, I think about, was there a process, right? Did he know that this was going to happen? Was he conscious? you know, contacts, he couldn't talk, he couldn't move, like, I don't, you have to get a hemorrhage, there's, like, those complications, it's just, like, wow, like, I, 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 rem I was just, like, hello, mom, like, uh, my aunt, and I was, like, like, nurses are outside, but they're just, like, writing stuff, I was, like, I was, like, can somebody come, can somebody help, like, is something, what, what just happened, like, I just started, like, holy shit, like, what's going on? Um, and the nurse is just really calm, like, yeah, okay, it's done. I was like, wait, wait, what, what's done? Like, you know, it's still beeping. It's just zero, but like, yeah. So that was my first time seeing it happen, I guess, in front of me. Um, <clears throat> death.
I don't know, because the, the thing is, before I saw him, um, before he got worse, his condition, it was like four years since I last saw him, and when I saw him first, you know, he was at the hospital, right, but we're talking, the first five minutes, it was, it was pretty funny, um, <laughs> because he literally got right, he cut to the chase, like, he, he basically, somehow he knew, like, how I was doing in school, he was like, okay, scour, um, I forgot how he said in cats, Jesus, like, um, or something like that, which basically means, don't need to study so much, he was like, you need to drink, when you go to university, you need to party, and you need to drink, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was so confused because I was like, am I hearing this right? And, and my mom was there. Am I hearing this and, right? And, and my mom, I need alcohol. <laughs> my mom was like, uh, she was like, weird. And, she, and he was like, no, 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 that's my daughter. Don't need to listen to her. <laughs> I was just like, damn, bro, yeah, go grab her. But like, um, the, the reason why he brought it up was, I mean, he told me some stories after, which was I think was interesting is that, um, <clears throat> like, the friendships you make in university were for him. I mean, this is why he's biased towards, you know, having fun, being friends, bonding with them were so good for him when he was like working in his working life um, and helped him go through some tough times and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, I thought about it at first, like nowadays, like when I think about college, like it, it makes a lot of sense. Like there's not, there's not going to be another time where you're no. going to like meet friends Kind of setting for who age, they are yeah. and not transactional for like oh like right. you're tw- you're 35 maybe you're looking maybe want to like get married or something like they might date you because of like your status or, uh, different factors right so it's a very formative time yeah so that's one thing and, and the reason why I bring that up again back to the death point is um I thought about like when he was in like first of all when he was slipping it's like those last few days I was like what does he think about can he even think about it? Does he think about his past experiences? Does he think about those experiences that he told me about, those stories um, of, like, him bumping into his friend from Michigan on a plane to, like, Japan with his wife, my grandma, stuff like that. Um, you know, like, all, all these, like, random things, like, and that's the other thing. What happens after death? Do you, these memories, what what happens with those memories? I, again, like, that's why I, I fear sometimes. And, you know, it's like, you think, you know, all these great things that happen, all these struggles, all these things, but to what avail? Like, what happens? Even if you make an impact, positive impact on other humans, and, you know, maybe the next generation, maybe longer, <clears throat> number one, they're probably going to forget your name eventually. Who cares? But number two, they're going to die as well eventually. So it's kind of like, sometimes it feels hopeless. I know this is kind of like a very, you know, depressing, oh, negative this is, thing. But... Death itself is a funny yeah. topic to talk about. <laughs> That's why. That's why a lot of people shy away from talking about it. So, okay, yeah. this is good though. I mean, there are far too few people that I can talk to about death who kind of like really are okay with trudging through the sort of like abyss of its implications. Um, so, okay, how, how have you dealt with these facts? When did you first come to terms with these facts? That we're gonna die, or that? Um, not just that we're gonna die, but like the consequences of that, which is that like potentially everybody's going to forget your name, all the memories will be gone, right. all the things that you tried to impact the world in will sort of get washed away over time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The sort of, like, meaninglessness of everything. Is that, like, you know, as you build Sonder, as you have your own motivations now, Wow. is it just, like, the meaningfulness of the moment? Because that is a thing. Like, I, when I've... The smartest philosophers that I've heard talk about meaning, like, meaning itself, purpose itself. 
they set up a scenario, which is like there's a kid, nine, dying of cancer at a hospital. And the, the effort of the doctors to save the suffering of that child, that is 100% meaningful in that moment. I don't think there's an argument anybody can make that says that that is not meaningful in that moment. Yes, you could say in the cosmic perspective, a billion years from now, the universe will not even have noticed whether or not the suffering was uh, eliminated or not. But in that moment, it 100% matters to everybody. Um, there's something to that. The alleviation of, you know, kind of innocent suffering is, is, is meaningful. And then you could maybe keep going from there. But um, I don't know if Elon builds the best possible rocket company that actually does successfully geoengineer Mars. And then like we uh, have a backup of the Earth and life itself gets to live on beyond the dying of the sun. And we move on to other solar systems. And like, was Elon meaningful? Was Elon mm. purposeful? At the end of the day, the universe itself is going to like, you know, eventually just have a heat death. Mm -hmm. Everything will be so far apart from everything else that there will have been no purpose to anything. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I'm throwing. You know, you kind of took us into the abyss. I took us a little farther. Um, <laughs> what, uh, as you kind of like zoom back into your personal life and you think about Sondra and you think about like, you know, what you're building, is the sort of day to day meaning what you kind of linch onto and you kind of say, eh, shrug your shoulders at the kind of larger perspective? There was a thought, actually. Um, I've, I've lost it, but... Oh, right, right. It was like, when did I come to terms? So, I guess I'll make two points. Like, first... <laughs> the hog. Uh, when did I come to terms? I think it was probably like, when I just had a lot of time to think about life. Like, I'm just gonna be straight. Like, I, I was just thinking about life. Yeah. In Hong Kong, it was just like, you know... Just like walking in this like garden in Kowloon, just I remember like there's a fountain. I'm just by myself listening to music, like to stars. Just like holy shit, bro. Like we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a society. But not just that. Just like holy shit. Like we're just like on this floating rock. You know, like nothing really. Like again, like the come to terms of you know all these memories are gonna go away. Everything like that. <clears throat> I think when I came back home from like to Vancouver, it was just like, yo. YOLO, bro. <laughs> just actually YOLO. Like, 100%. not just think about YOLO, but act. like make act. Like yeah. the delta between once you make the decision and acting should be as small as possible. Yeah. Just do it. Freaking 100. Freaking full send. Yeah. Full send. Yeah. So 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 like yeah, I think that was like that that was the consequence mm. of that realization. Oh. I respect that a lot, by the way. There aren't enough people that live their values and their actions like thoroughly. Mm. And the what you have, and I think what we just shared a little bit there, where it was like 100%, of course, send it every time. You know, like that is a thing that I think maybe founder, entrepreneurial type minds that, I mean, at least the ones that I have found that yeah. have a decent kind of vision and that focus on the right kinds of problems. Yeah. I think that is the thing that that's a, that's is good, shared. Good feedback, I guess. Like that, that, I mean, an example of that was full sunning, just go to SF. So <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have a plan. Just my friends were like, Come, Whether it paid off or not, just like you might as well YOLO, right? Just crash at friends' places. I didn't. I just like kept moving. I, yeah. I lived off Soylent. I got sick because it was expired. Not not a good idea, by the way, to drink mm, Soylent. I didn't know Soylent could expire. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know either. But um, yeah, it was just that. That was, I guess, looking back, like wow, that was. I'm happy I did it. Like you know, if I did everything again, I would do it again. There's, this is the other thing. Like, yeah, it's a lot more. When I ref yeah, yeah, this is a side comment. Like, when I reflect sometimes, I think about, oh, 
should have done this or I should have not done this or should have this, should have that. Uh, it's mind space. This is the entire mm. thing, right? Whereas like, okay, it's still a reversible decision. You can pick up the skill again, you know, just like... Reversible go, decision, go, yeah. Go, 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 go. Or, okay, well, there's this other cool thing that I could be doing, all right? I am already doing, like, this right now. Like, an example is, um, <laughs> it's like, again, same age, like 12, 13, 14, super impressionable. I read all, like, all those books, like, you know, Ashley Vance's biography of Elon Musk, just Steve Jobs' biography, Shoe Dog. Um, there's, like, Chris Hadfield's Astronaut Guide to Life on Earth. There's a lot of these books that are really inspiring, and I still think about them a lot. Something I would have done differently, though, <laughs> was I would have just, like, acted, right? Like, I know there were, like, some teen entrepreneurs, and they were making mistakes, but that's good. They start early. They're, like, 14, 15. That's something that I would have, like, followed through. Like, I only really count right now with Sonder being, like, my main, like, first go at this, um, at, like, full sending it. I think part of what enabled me to full send it, again, was the freedom and flexibility of the gap year, which... I would say I'm pretty lucky that I had the opportunity to. Not everyone has this opportunity. So, yeah, it's just, this is a, this is a side comment. I think the other thing you were talking about was, like, the whole macro thing, right? Was that was that what you were talking about? Like, the whole... I mean, we've been coming back and forth through it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Let's... Simulation. <laughs> I have to pee anyway. Let's just pause. I also need to pee. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, can I pause? Yes, there we go. All right, there we go. Yeah, we can go right back. Um, yeah. So, okay. Part two. Strong opinion. And now we're totally going to change how we talk. Uh, strong opinions loosely held, yes. Right. But I think, like, there are too many people that don't YOLO. There are too many people that don't, like, that play it too safe and too mm. just chill. And, like, you actually think this and this and that. And I get playing it somewhat safe when you haven't yet made it, when you haven't yet, like, gotten a thing that you're like, okay, I don't depend on anybody for anything. I can finally actually say exactly what's on my mind whenever I want. And not in a way that is, like, trolling or in a way that's just, like, meaningless, but in a way that's actually, like, meaningful. Like, I've hmm. done that now. I guess about a month ago I had a little share sale, and now I'm independently <laughs> just capable of sustaining myself for years if I wanted to. Right. Um, uh, and like that has given me a certain power and a certain like feeling of okay like I don't I can just tell anybody whatever the fuck I want. It's like and, fuck like, you mentality. It's fuck a you. little bit, but it's not not because I want to say like, that right. Of it's course. not because I hate anybody, but just because like there are things that I see that I'm just not I don't need to be conservative about anymore. I can just be like, listen, you're doing this thing that's bad for these reasons, and this is how it looks. And by the way, I'm putting this effort into telling you because I kind of care. You kind of care, right? Right? Otherwise, why else would I tell you, right? Like, I would just, like, ignore it or something. Mm. Sorry, I'm kind of going off on you now, but what no, do you no, think no, about no. that? That's strong, strong opinions. Strong opinions, let's see how it's kind of the... Like, I haven't read, like, articles about it, but, like, the, just those four words, like, is kind of, like, something that I live by quite often. Like, mm. you know, you can have strong opinions. You can be, like, you don't want to be a yes man, right? But with new evidence, with new learnings, with new experience, there's always going to be an opportunity to enhance your perspective, to change it. That's okay, you know? Like, so, yeah, strong opinions are still held. Yeah, so um, whenever there's a debate that people have, I always respect it when, like, of the 30 opinions they came with that they feel strongly about, they actually change their mind about two or three of them. Mm -hmm. Two, three hours of your time where you're debating with somebody else who is actually smart and comes with good logic and, like, evidence, you should probably you should change probably at least 10% of your opinions, like, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I, I think this is another thing, like, you know, 
bit of more personal experience right i know we, we mentioned this seems like a common thread of the podcast but hmm. i used to do a lot of debate in mun right and for a while i thought this is like mun a model united nations so model united kind of like nations. Mock, mock parliament type of thing yeah High school thing. Okay. Um, for for the longest time, I thought this is like, oh, this is so great, it's so impactful because I used to run conferences and debate tournaments and help organize stuff. But <clears throat> I think there's that part, right? Like you want to have your mind change. You want to be able to be develop yourself as a good communicator, um, develop yourself as somebody who is able to sort of defend their opinions and also learn different things and tinker with it and has like strong opinions as you help. But I think. <sighs> just too much talk right like that that's one thing that that's one reason why i eventually stopped or pivot away from that with, with my interests because there's just like I, I don't think i could really be an mp like as a full-time job make that a goal because it's MP just like a member of parliament yeah. okay, a politician okay. yeah because <clears throat> there's so much like you know you have to worry so much about your self-image you can't be fully authentic and you're sort of like in this game as well and and not even just that like Creating things is more interesting to me because I think rules can always bend if something that you create is so crazy. Mm. I don't really worry too much about that. I think that, that can always be a byproduct that can be changed. Um, being always debating with people, and just like you're it not getting like anything an done. Pit of exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. people, I do appreciate people that come into it like with a fresh sense of optimism you know where they're like ah oh, but maybe with these ideas and maybe with this organization yeah. or maybe with these kind of like grassroots movements whatever good freaking luck like that has happened for centuries that people have been thinking that way um whereas the actual new thing if you look at it again from a bird's eye view you know the thousand year view the ten thousand year view technology is the new cool interesting thing that is happening to Humanity. But technology and technology has always been the needle mover in humanity, right? right? They like kind fire, of fire, bronze fire, age. Exactly. It like defines. These are all the things that move the needle. And it defines laws, humanity. Exactly. Yeah. It defines. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 So yeah. okay. That's the thing too. Would you about. change your own self? Like, would you be down to change yourself? Like, if we had the capability, if we had the technology, like, would you be down to like change your intelligence, change your Ooh. interests, even? I think this is a huge this one. This is a, yeah, so this is a good question. I'll pitch you on, on changing your sexual desire, actually. I'll start okay. there. So, sugar. Sugar's bad for us. Do you agree? Are you familiar what, with this? What's, what's bad? Sugar. Sure. Sugar. Oh, sugar. Oh, oh, yeah, sugar. Yeah, 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 okay. Oh, sorry, I guess I, I thought said you said sure, sure, like... Oh, sure, no, sure, no, no. I didn't hear, Sugar, yeah, yeah. S-U-G-A-R, sugar, sugar, sugar yeah, the yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. Sugar's bad for us. Like, just categorically we know it like nutrition science is all over the place but we know that sugar is bad for us um it creates free radicals it can take your insulin levels out you know you become diabetic literally leads to a whole bunch of other diseases it, 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 it uh, melts your teeth there's mm -hmm. so many things that are bad about sugar mm -hmm. um yet we want it really badly mm. right if you just went by natural <laughs> human instinct we would all just be eating gobs of sugar um, and yet we intelligently resist our desire for sugar because we know better, because we're rational. Or is it also because we know forms of sugar nowadays are refined sugar, most of them. And back then it's like apples, yeah. that was like better sugar. Or, I don't know, you, you probably know more. I, I didn't No, that's fair, that, that actually is fair. And, like in the past, we that's right. And that is why sugar is so bad is because we have so much available to us in such like refined forms. If you literally just ate sugar, For like, like yeah. literally it's a bag of sugar, you'd love it. I'm yeah. sure, like literally just toast with butter and a ton of sugar, you just eat that mm -hmm. shit up all day. Mm -hmm. But you know that's horrible for you. Um, uh, anyway, we intelligently resist that because we understand evolutionarily 
you know, we, uh, it's descended evolutionarily. It's just our ancestors needed sugar whenever they came across it naturally. It made sense for them to eat as much of it as possible when they did discover it, but they wouldn't normally discover it that much, right? Sex, I would argue now, is kind of the same thing. Um, if you could choose to turn off your desire for sugar right now, I give you the option. You don't like sugar anymore. Would you take it? Okay, here's the other thing. I actually don't really consume that much sugar, except for bubble tea. <laughs> I never liked chocolate bars because I would, because I would, for me it was peanuts. I would never be able to share my food, uh, and so like I just naturally never liked candy. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, but what about like baked goods? Like what about like? Okay, I love carbs. There you go. Carbs <laughs> cereal. Okay, I would, I would turn it off because I think it's you know. Yeah. Yo, got got to cut. You know, like lean, lean, bulk. Gotta get lean. Let's <laughs> go. Lift. Yeah. Do you even lift? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, good. Okay. I don't lift in like a week. Oh, you said Ooh, we should go. Yeah. We like whenever. Bitch. Okay. Anyway, so um, <laughs> anyway, so you see where I'm getting yeah, with yeah. sex. Yeah, turn, turn, is the same thing, in a in a sense, right? Like we kind of don't question it, but it literally forms the foundations of like a lot of our life decisions. It's like I'm gonna dedicate myself to trying to find somebody, and it's gonna take up hours of my mental space, you know, to think about going out and like how do I work out so that I can look good, so that I can be this, so I can be that. You're literally shaping yourself to be a good mate for somebody when you haven't even second guessed. Right. So if you can turn it off, think about the things that you can do in there. Yeah. That's if you could tr- <clears throat> imagine. So here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. If I could switch out your desire for sexuality for a desire to do theoretical astrophysics, yeah, would you take it? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. it's a non, it's a no brainer for you. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. really think about that. Like you would well, no longer be attracted. To I mean, if it. I get the same amount of dopamine from like, exactly. yo, fuck, like, yo, space shit. The whiteboard, no. oh, dude. Getting orgasms from the whiteboard. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you think about it this way, right? In a parallel universe, um, Earth 2, let's just say, let's say you get the same amount of dopamine from astrophysics or any other science, any other like, Here's the thing, right? If everybody did that in the other world, that would be like a better world. That and also like it would be like the norm, right? Because that's the thing. So mm. what I'm saying is that like if I would do it, and you know if if, if everyone did that, let, let's just okay. Critical I, I know mass. Not everyone, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Critical social mass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, my kids are like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like bro. Yeah, I was like, it's like. So, son, what are you doing? So, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm just studying biology, not studying astrophysics. But that's like, just <laughs> <laughs> like, like astrophysics would get everybody off way too much. Yeah. yeah so I guess yeah. you'd want to generalize it to just like learning in general, or like doing productive scientific technical technical work in general would be orgasmic. I guess here's another question: like, if everybody did what we would in 2022 define as productive work mm. in 2040. Ah, is that still productive work? Then? Good. So is then, productivity measured by relativeness? Of but that's just it. it we're, there's no reason to think we wouldn't be able to change again in the future when we reassessed and we reimagined. It's like Gattaca. What our priorities could be. Gattaca, the movie, yeah. Yeah, like kind of like oh, if everyone had perfect, then then like that's right. then that's not perfect because everyone yeah. has it. Then like so then I guess that then then what that realization reveals is that a lot of these things, so many things are in that we define like perfection or looks or like productivity or smartness these qualities are based off always on a distribution or just compare ourselves with other data points other humans and some sort of metric some sort of a measurement tool mm. where it's like iq eq Mensa, or like all these different things um is there a way to get out of that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay so what but yeah that was a bit of a let me, let me yeah. so i'm glad we agree on that and then let me make it personal what things sure. about yourself do you think you Ooh. are realizing now from this vantage point 
are arbitrarily assigned to you at birth, right? Like you happen to be interested in ah. this, you happen to be interested in that. Now, how would you reshape yourself right. if you had a full, sure. full control? I got to think about that. There's a lot um, of different things. I used to not like glasses. Like wearing glasses. Yeah, but I actually like wearing glasses now. Huh. <clears throat> so that changed. But here, here's one here's one fear I have. The reason why I spent a lot of time studying, or just like, and that led me to be doing well in school, and that paid off in the long run, was because a lot of time. Okay, so as in kindergarten, food is lunchtime is social time. I couldn't share my food with people, so I would be ostracized. Mm. Maybe this is why I was bullied because I didn't know how to socialize. If I didn't know how to socialize, I don't really know how to stand for myself. So I only react to things. Food, it's, I know it's such, it's like a it's like a chain reaction. And then because of that, I spent more time by myself reading, developed a love for reading. Found I like being curious. This is just one fear of like one thing leading to a bunch of different things. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't change it. I am happy with like the type. How of, you turned out? Yeah, I'm yeah. happy with how it turned out. It definitely wasn't pleasant. I definitely didn't like my time yeah. in elementary school. I remember thinking, oh my god, I'm here for eight yeah. years from getting around to grade seven. I just want high school to start. And when high school started, <laughs> it was a little bit better, but I was just like, ah, okay, whatever. Um, that's fair. That's led you here. That's yeah. good. It's, and I'm the same way. Decisions I'm, led us to the same I'm kind of grateful for all of the like happenstance stuff that led me to the character that I was when I turned 18 or 19. Right. You're there now, though, I and you that. could reshape and reassess. I seriously considered becoming a eunuch when I was 18. A, a what? A eunuch. So a eunuch is, uh, <laughs> historically, yeah, well, but it goes farther than that. <clears throat> me, yeah. So monks aspire to be asexual. They don't marry, you know, they don't have sexual relations. They literally just, like, pray to God, and that's all they do, right? Um, there were court eunuchs in different cultures that they would chop off their balls like literally like physically get rid of the ball and that would change hormonally a lot about them as a person um they uh, developed you know uh, somewhat secondary <laughs> i'm guessing this didn't you didn't fall through with this no obviously <laughs> <laughs> they, oh. they would but i kind of and there's a part of me that like oh, i would be anyway but so the reason is it would it reduces testosterone in men um, and obviously you're cutting off your ball. So this is a man thing, or sorry, a male thing. Um, you, you're reducing testosterone, which means that you are becoming, I know, I, it's obviously very country. You, be, you lose your desire for sexuality. You suddenly become asexual, or at least way more asexual, which is kind of like eliminating your desire for sugar, we just talked about earlier, and it gives you 10 extra years of life. Unix Statistically. On, I mean, units on average you... live 10 years longer. However, and because testosterone is a bad hormone for it, men live shorter than females. Um, that's just mm. like a known thing. Um, and if you get rid of testosterone, you can live a lot longer. Whatever, 10 years on average, or eight years, I forget what the actual number was. But they did suffer from more depression. Yeah, and also quality of life, right? If right. you just extend an extra 10 marginal difference, does. But in our life, where it's like the year 2080 versus 2090 might actually make a difference. Like the technological things that are going to be available to us then may actually be meaningfully different. And if you could live an extra thousand years because you made it that extra 10 to start, mm. maybe that's actually meaningful. That anyway, makes sense. It's also, the, oh, cryogenics, like freezing. Cryogenics, your, yeah. Like freezing your head when you die. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've, like for a while I was like, I think it was last time I was reading into it and I was watching a lot of documentaries and I was like, mm. Ooh, wow, like what if we just like, 
what if instead of spending something on this, you spent it on this? And then mm. that would kind of guarantee even that 1% chance that you would get revived, that could, dude, it's your life, bro. <laughs> like, holy shit. And I was thinking about, like, another thing, my grandparents, like, <clears throat> like, where are they now, you know? Versus, like, if they could do this, like, sometimes, like, holy shit. Like, if you're getting buried, you might as well get buried frozen in a way that maybe in the future we could revive you exactly yeah 100 uh, i would totally do it yeah but i yeah. i'm not going to bank on that it just it does feel a little bit outlandish it, like it's yeah. just there's a lot of things that have to go there's right. a lot like, of a things, lot that things. Are outlandish that you know fair but i think you know within our i don't know i do have optimism that within our lifetimes we will be able to like pull things you know bioengineering wise together that will be kind of like quite substantial honestly i'm losing some of that optimism over time um but i'm still optimistic what makes you optimistic about it like what about i mean just like where we are technologically in the world and like the advancements that have happened like crispr you know was not a thing 10 years ago and now it is a thing Dude, uh, right? sorry dr duna Dr. Doudna? Oh, Jennifer Doudna, yeah, yeah. one of the co-discoverers of it. Um, Sorry. (laughs) I was in a Zoom call uh, with with her one time. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. What's uh, the story? Sorry? What's the story? How did you get on a Zoom call? It was just like for a bunch of Berkeley admits for for the program I was in. Yeah, she was, I thought, oh, shit, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Use her as a flex, I'm sure. Um, Honestly, like, I've listened to her interviews and stuff, and I just don't find her that interesting, like, herself, just the way she talks. I I think it's interesting that she told us that, I think she was almost going to say French. Oh yeah, she's always going to say French. That's the funny thing. Like there like, are some things. scientists yeah. that like end up discovering some amazing things and do amazing things in science, and that like themselves are just not very philosophically motivated. They're just like, oh, I kind of just like was brilliant, probably as a person, and but I visionless. I think that's how I would describe her. Again, here's my strong opinion coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, Jennifer Doudna. If you I don't know her well enough to make a comment. I just in the yeah. interviews that I have listened to, it seems like she just kind of by accident was studying. Uh, you know, so obviously CRISPR was discovered because it was the viral uh, it was the way the bacteria protected against themselves against viruses yeah. that's such an esoteric thing to be studying and like she kind of got lucky that the thing she was studying led to this tool that revolutionized gene editing she didn't know that she didn't know that she was studying that here's another interesting point and this is i think what i was reading i think it might be one of those books there but like science or like 500 physicists or something like here, here's the thing right a lot of these inventions like it's not just one. It's not like Thomas Edison came up with one thing and oh, it was just all him. Like there's so many previous efforts and unseen of things. Standing that on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. Same thing with her. Same thing with a lot of different people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Goes that's back right. to the whole impact thing with Elon. You know, like is is the world gonna remember? Yeah. But he's that's the thing that you can. But I still agree. Like Elon is Elon has been always been a role model for me. Like I do see myself wanting to follow his path. Good. Like go for like you know he had the dot com thing. Go for this like Sonder thing make some cool things, help up, uplift a bunch of people yeah. from lower classes, make the world a slightly better place, exit, work on space, maybe longevity. I mean, you're kind of convincing me with this whole longevity thing. I, I think it, it is, like, you can ask my co-founder, Peter. It was like 4.30 a.m. I really couldn't sleep. Sorry, Peter, because I kept <laughs> talking about, fuck, we're going to die, dude. Yeah. We're going to die. Like, we're going to die. Like, we got to do shit. We got to, like, go back. Yeah, just imagine <laughs> you gave yourself more time, then space would become way more accessible, right? Like Elon has hmm. kind of come to terms with the fact that he is not going to get to see Mars really geoengineered. There's an interview with that, I think. Yeah, yeah he's done so many interviews on that, and yeah. he still doesn't support longevity, and his logic is a little weird. His logic literally is this. His logic is uh, new generations with new ideas need to replace old generations with old ideas. 
that's his logic. Fantasy type of vibe. I get it, and it does make sense, and I like the idea that progress has to, like, progress above all else. Sure. But I just think it's it's too nearsighted to say that eventually, if we get to live a long time, we aren't going to want to continue to... So, yeah, imagine you get to live a thousand years. Do you really think you want your own calcified 2000s mindset still, like, when you know that most of society is moving in a different direction? I would not want to be a stubborn old person. And that yeah, quality no, you of always being... want to learn new things. Exactly. Change That's, your mind. That quality of being stubborn and old person would not continue into your 200th year. Nah. Anyway, so... You're that... still really young at 200 in a span of 1,000. Elon is super smart, and but I just... He's not a philosopher. He, in my... I don't know, whatever. There are... I remember... <clears throat> anyway, sorry. That's where I disagree with him. Philosopher King entrepreneurs or philosopher King scientists. That would be an interesting combination of people. Because I think maybe those would be, like, if you just added the philosopher appended to Elon's character, hmm. that would be an even more powerhouse. Yeah. yeah. Applying vision. Maybe he would get distracted, though, because there are a lot of philosophers that are super brilliant, but he, they kind of get, get lost done. in the weeds. And yeah, exactly. They're not physically getting... I, like, I do like that Elon sees himself more as an engineer, as a doer, as like a let's get shit done in the physical world kind of mm-hmm. person. Whereas, you know, I highly respect Nietzsche, but he didn't do a single thing with his hands. Like, he didn't actually, like, build anything physical. This um, goes with the other thing, like, do we, is the largest amount of impact something like what like Elon is doing, where he's still, he's leading, he's getting his hands dirty, he's leading all these cool-ass companies that are literally nothing that I don't think anyone has seen before. Maybe we're biased because we're the generation. Or do we go the path of, like, being a leader who empowers and enable isn't enabling like what you were saying about like kind of what I was kind of getting at with like being a people person or like enabling a lot of people and then assuming that those people mm. will then like Nietzsche was probably one example of that where like he probably planted a lot of thoughts and maybe yeah. some people maybe some maybe done I guess it's less direct less sure of of your impact again like you're not yeah. gonna live to see the end yeah also longevity happens <laughs> longevity yeah yeah no i'm kind of convincing you longevity enables all the other projects that's what if you had to yeah. create a hierarchy of all the possible projects you could pursue longevity and intelligence improvement those two together enable all the rest enable everything else that is true because here's one thing right what if okay you're a thousand year old person if ever okay everyone was you know let's say 80 right um what if it was 800 or 1,000? Yeah. How much wisdom would there be more? Yeah. Like how much more? Productivity, shit? wisdom, yeah. capability. Yes, you would have the old ideas. You would have issues. Definitely there would be some issues, but I don't think they would be outweighed by the benefits. The benefits would definitely be better. It would be more. Here's the other thing that like, do you grow up like, do you look like from 81 to like 800? Do you look the same? Like do you look older? Like how does it work? There is no precedence. For that there's I no precedence yeah, there's yeah. no because like the normal human developmental cycle is you kind of do continue to change throughout your entire life but yeah you're right we would if we modify ourselves in that way we would have to start to kind of like be the bleeding edge of deciding on how else do we modify you know mm. do we want to continue to change this way change that way i bet some people would become calcified some people but there would be some long people calcified as in like stubborn, stubborn stagnant right. their mindset would be stuck in the era oh, where they first okay. decided to like live longer, right? Yeah. Petrified psychologically, like they uh, would, their thinking would not have evolved. And maybe we'd actually like those people. They'd be kind of quaint and interesting, but eventually, you know, it would just be that. It would be a museum piece of a mind that is still alive and is still there. A museum piece of a mind. A, a museum a piece cool of a mind. Soundbite. That'd be yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but obviously, I think the most intelligent people would, you know, intelligently say, "I want to continue to modify my mind. I want to continue to evolve with." the times as they evolve. 
Um, maybe they would take breaks, you know, as they saw the times going in bad directions, they would intelligently say, I'm going to resist that direction um, and instead move in a better direction or just you know, put, put their changes on hold, wait 50 years, and then go back to changing again. But anyway, the point is that I want to be playing on that level. I want to be in that. In that. that magnitude probably does have, yeah. And the things that we probably can't, the threshold is just a lot higher probably in terms of like there's things that we can think about right now and imagine that are not possible. Yeah. Those things are probably possible in that world where we have a thousand years. And then there will be another level of things yeah. that we like basically the things yeah. that when we're a thousand years have that capability that we in that situation where it's like that's impossible. We can't right now in our hundred year lifespan, we can't even imagine no. those things no. because we haven't. Yeah. It's like it's like you're in a dark room or yeah. just dark, like just like Minecraft world or something. You have a flashlight. You can't see past the bounds of that flashlight, but you know, the thousand years like a longer flashlight. You're not even capable of it. And this is why the other one is intelligence, in my opinion, right? Like when we ask ourselves, what is the meaning of life? The reason we kind of come up, well, maybe the reason we come up against a wall with that question where we're just like kind of come up with these airy answers is that our minds aren't even capable of thinking about how to frame that question. Here's actually one thing that I always like to like, <clears throat> okay, so this is the cup, right? Um, if we're living, you know, flatlands, we see the circle. We see this 3D cup, but they it's just think it's a circle. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay. Uh, I mean, this is also it's a good analogy. Yeah. It's, I think now that I think about it, because usually this is an example that we use for argument for space. But I think the intelligence and longevity is also an interesting yeah. part. Because like sometimes it's like, okay, we're just on this one vantage point, Earth. I mean, yeah, we can send all these probes, but physically we're just here. Um, I'm just here. But what if you know we go to Mars here, and then oh, we get a different understanding of how the universe works. Who knows what type of crazy ass like solutions or things that we could see with just a different vantage point. So the wording that I have found that helps describe this, because I've, I've thought about this and I've written about this, is new phenomenological categories. So one phenomenological category is, you know, phenomena is the things that we observe and phenomenology is the study of what we kind of like can perceive. So we have smell, we have sight, we have like, you know, the way we perceive the world, we have like our feeling of proprioception, the ends of our hands and the ends of our feet. And then what you're describing here, we are creatures that, you know, feel in a 3D world and there may be a fourth dimension or a fifth dimension that we can't even perceive now. Those would be new phenomenological categories. Right? So new categories of experience that we can't even comprehend now because we don't even have the tools. Here's Our minds don't have the tools yet. We extrapolate the unknown to 4D and 5D because of the precedence of 2D and 3D. It could just be a different... I mean, us even thinking that it's just 4D and then 5D and then 6D is so naive. Yeah. Like, it probably doesn't even work that way. Mm -hmm. But it's a good analogy. Yeah. It allows us to sort of have a reference point to have mm -hmm. this discussion. Yeah, I and I like the flatland, thinking about a sphere as just a circle, but us, we're 3D beings, we therefore we see it as see a it, sphere. Goes, they don't see it. And we also see the 2D, <clears throat> and we can kind of look down on them and say, like, oh, you 2D people, you're so cute. And this, my friend, is where we went off last time. Simulation! <laughs> so, what if we're those people in that 2D right here? Oh, look at them little cute humans. Yeah. They're just figuring shit out. They don't know. And there's a higher, like, not just me, but maybe, like, society, species that's seeing us. We're like the Petri dish. Yeah. And yeah. maybe Very they possible. have a bunch of other Petri dishes where they're like, oh, which one's going to go to Mars first? Who's going to make it? Who's going to make the planetary species? 100% you know? possible. 100% possible. Yeah. yeah. We There's so many, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
agendas that we could just be totally ignorant to that are actually happening at levels above us that we just, yeah. So God, I don't think it is totally uh, naive to think that there is, it's possible that there is a God. Right. It's just that that God or gods, whatever, is probably, you know, one of the more likely things is that our gods are the scientists that came up with the simulation that we are in we're right currently now. in. Yeah, <clears throat> the, that is our gods. You could be listening to this and they're like, oh, shoot. No, they're thinking. They're, no. They're, well, I mean, probably this is a landmark moment. You know, the first time your simulation discovers it's probably in a simulation, that would be kind of like, you know, a check mark. That's like sick. Our simulation beings made it to the point where they got smart enough to, to realize. realize they're probably in a simulation. That's cool. But like how much longer until they start breaking the rules of the simulation, until they like falsify or like, you know, can actually have evidence for whether they're in a simulation. Maybe those are check marks or sorry, goals or uh, what do you call that? Uh, 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 ah, startups that are not, uh, oh, that's a good word for this, milestones. Those, those would be good milestones for uh, for us as a civilization when we finally like proved we were in a simulation. And then another milestone would be... Getting out. Right, doing something about it. I don't even know how we would get out of one. I mean, like... Conceptually, think, yeah. I'm not even clear. Maybe going to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my favorite movie of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey, yes, tells the story of getting out of the human cycle and, like, the fact... The, the potential of us having been seeded by intelligences beyond us itself. Like, intelligence is essentially designing all of humanity. It is the secular Bible. It is... The secular Bible. The, the, it, in my opinion, it's the most important story of all in a sort of secular, logical, you know, well-thought-out way as opposed to, you know, ancient wisdom, which may have some, you know, actual logic. Ancient wisdom from the Bible actually probably has some nuggets of wisdom that are, like, worthwhile to listen to, but, you know, we, we can recalibrate now and, and tell a big, bigger, better story. I guess one other thing that would be interesting about milestones and checkpoints and realizations, like, what were some things that, what were some moments that you remember that you realized, like, basic concepts that you changed your mind on, or, like, that you proved false on, and you, that was a pivotal moment that you remember currently? That's a good question, and it hasn't happened for me since I was, like, 15. 15. Yeah, 14, 15, whatever the age was, between grades 10 and 11, when I had my first set of epiphanies around, like, just (laughs) basically everything we're talking about now. Honestly, my mind has not yet been changed on some of the core philosophies that I developed then. Um, what happened, like, 14, 15? Oh, I don't know. For whatever reason, like, just a combination of maybe smoking pot and, like, you know, Wikipedia and, like, just having free time and, like, just whatever, being on the internet and thinking about this stuff, having some time to actually think about it, um, you know, I just realized, like, whoa, death. Like, we're going to die. Like, this is a pretty important thing. Like, we only live once. Every single moment gets recorded in stone. And, you know, once you're gone, you're gone forever, forever, ever, and you might never come back. Like, just the fact of that possibility made me very preoccupied with that as a concept and then preoccupied with, like, how we know anything as a concept. Um, and then I kind of just kept going from there. So, Interesting. So longevity or the fact that we're going to die was your entry point. Yeah, to sort of this. because then I, like, I resolved in my mind, maybe this is, I don't know, some somebody could say, Stephen, you should just go to therapy instead. But, like, therapy would just be, like, a way, it would be a uh, not-worry mechanism, right? One of my most hated tweets ever was some person who, you know, said, oh, Elon should just have gone to therapy instead of trying to buy Twitter. Bruh. It's like, you, oh, should we all just go to therapy instead of trying to do anything? Again, yeah, my just... face, these stupid debates exactly. that lead nowhere. Because, you know, debating is fine, but it leads to an action or a decision that can be acted upon quickly. Yeah. It, 
there's no point debating things that yeah. you can't even act on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and, and Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it's not like if I go to therapy, and I might try it just for the hell of it, but like, it's not like if I go to therapy, the therapist is going to give me an answer where I'm like, oh, suddenly I feel alleviation. Because there's nothing that I can even imagine a therapist would tell me yeah. or tell anyone else that I've heard of that would be other than just like a helping you not worry mechanism. Or yeah. a sounding board. I'm yeah. getting too defensive about this whole thing. Um, it doesn't even deserve that much thought. Uh, so, yeah, what I resolved to was science as the only tool that we have to uncover more about the fundamentals of the universe, basic science helps us discover brand new categories of tools that give us these unprecedented powers that potentially, you know, through engineering and technology could help us maybe live longer. And to me, that was the greatest possible thing that we could aim for because with more time, we could do everything else. We could study physics for a thousand years and then chemistry for a thousand years and then biology and who knows what after that, but we just have to get there first. How realistic is it, though, that we can get to extending our lifetime to a thousand years? Yeah, and that's the core question. We don't know. Hmm. We don't know. But, hey, YOLO, we have one freaking life. We might as well try. And how epic would it be if we did barely make it and near the end of our lives? You know, 60, 70, 80, all the people who were, like, optimistic and trying and working hard We're about at to it. give up, and then somehow something happens. I mean, not, it's not just something. Like, there's a bunch of strategies. There's a whole bunch of things that people are even onto now that, like, Actually, I already have ideas that are like, I think could totally work. Um, anyway, we can get into that, but yeah. like, I think we have 50 more years of technological development to go through. You and I, at our ages now, you have 60, I have 50, something like that, mm -hmm. right? That's plenty of time. Like, that's a lot of time. And with some resources and some people that are working hard, maybe we could do it. And that would be the most epic possible victory that we could get. Um, we, we would be yeah. the eldest people ever. Shit. Yeah, and we would be the captains of the industry. You think starting Bitcoin and you know investing yeah, nothing, in Bitcoin in 2009? Is, if you can extend your lifetime, nobody has Dude, freaking done that in human history, recorded human history. It would be the greatest possible, and being the captains of that industry, you would be the kings of the freaking world. Anyway, so I think the grandness of that possible vision for me was like, holy shit, either I could die and it's nothingness forever, or maybe by trying hard and doing science and technology and engineering, you know, you become the eldest kind of winners. Did you study biomedical or electrical engineering? Uh, bioengineering. Well, sorry, it was actually just biology at, at Waterloo, but it was, I kind of, you know, I did synthetic biology and I, I, I published in mathematical modeling. This is, this is convincing me to, yeah. <laughs> cause now I think about it, it's like, oh yeah, that one chance that you could like, cause you could work on our stuff. Like even, you know, I don't know, space, it would die still. Yep. Oof. I guess, now I'm thinking on a mathematical, like if you can model it on a graph, like, at, you know, where the x-axis is like, you know, years. At what point is it worth it to continue trying, at what point do you fail back to your original question, like trying to push longevity when you could be like, is there a point at which where it's like, shit, I've spent like three decades on this. Like I have maybe like four decades left or something. At this point, I want to like hard pivot and just, there's this cool space thing I want to do. I want to get people on Mars. Uh, this why I don't think I'm gonna live to see this longevity thing go through. I want to full send this one instead. Like, yeah. But at least you made the decision then when we had better data, and we'll probably know closer and closer to the time, right? Here's another thing about decisions: is like, we can get really deep into this, and I, I, I sometimes do. I mean, I suffered from decision paralysis for a while. I think definitely the first time I was cognizant about decision-making was when I finished high school, I was about to finish. I was like, oh, I can actually decide what to do with my life. Because I think I've been blindly following, like, you know, the rat race before then. Um, but back to decisions, it's like, 
I was reading somewhere that all these decisions like that we really make the actual important ones, they're not data driven. They're just no. emotional. Arbitrary. Arbitrary. It's your temperament and so, what you happen to be surrounded by. People don't put a ton of thought into some of the most important decisions of their lives. Exactly. <laughs> if people if people did though, would things be substantially different on that yes, level? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just that. So then, is that maybe good right? luck convincing people to do that? There's too many hippies out right, there. Sorry. Right. And also, how would you even distribute like a technology that would you know improve decision making? Uh, and there, another definitely totally different side note that I've been thinking about is like, there's a, a small latency when especially with software engineers or people who want to learn between them having the question and then finding a way to formulate it and typing it. Interface yeah. between your head to here. Hundred percent. What if brain computer interface? Exactly. Automatically just yeah. Google. It's sure. The I, speed at which people Neuralink. Uh, it, so here's actually, you know, <clears throat> biology is what I consider to be the most likely path toward longevity. It could be Neuralink. It could be that 40 years from now, Neuralink actually succeeds in uploading our consciousnesses, and somehow we can validate that it's actually our consciousness that gets transferred and yeah. not just a copy. That that fundamental question. I would jump ship immediately. I would recalibrate all of my knowledge and thinking. I wouldn't have an embryo textbook open. I would have whatever the core knowledge is that. I would immediately pivot over. I'm not certain yet that even if we find a way to upload our consciousness, that it won't be a copy. That fundamental question. What if it is a copy? I also like, how do you even define a copy in this type of sphere? Yeah, I know. It's the hard problem of consciousness. We we could get into it, but we just don't know how to even start. Like it's, we don't even have the the tools yet to start to understand consciousness. Period. It, it's not even yeah. It, that's why they call it the hard problem of consciousness. It's not hard in the sense that we just need to study more neurons and do more science. It's like we don't even have a starting point. We don't even know where to start yet. Yeah. So that's why I still think biology is the thing that we need to focus on because we are made of biology and we don't know yet how to you know consciousness is information. It's still an open question. It's still not clear. Even another meta perspective. If you had 500 years or even 200 years or a thousand years, that amount of wisdom, like if you're two, if you're living a thousand years and you have 300 years of like experience, you could probably make a much more well-informed decision of what is the most important thing to work on. When Absolutely, you're you just need more time years. to start. Right. Because as much as I think people can condense experiences into like smaller scopes. You still need experience speaks for time. itself and yeah. time is still the marching yeah like, yeah time to have gotten there in the first place and time to digest it time to like really understand why i don't know i'm grabbing this it was just bothering me that it was um messy sorry my apartment's a little bit of a mess so it's, <coughs> um, it's clean, yeah. yeah anyway holy shit um okay skylar i gotta huh? run to the washroom yeah go ahead okay let's yeah. do another pause and then maybe pause. we'll conclude yeah Woo! wow yeah dude my mind is <laughs> Woo! What's the what's the noun there? Your mind is or adjective spinning. spinning. It's just like thinking or just like processing. <laughs> overheating. Don't overheat. <laughs> <laughs> GPU. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What? Why? Why acorn? Why the word acorn is the name of my company? I know. Like yeah. Why? Why? Did you um. So think about it for a second. It banks young human cells. So you remember um, Ice Age the movie? Oh yeah, the one with like the goofy. Guy the who, squirrel like, thing. Puts, oh, they, yeah, 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 yeah. And puts the acorn away. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Ah. And I mean, an acorn, you put it away in ice for a long time, and eventually, potentially in the future, it could grow into an oak tree. It'd be super duper valuable. But for now, you just put it on ice. Ah. Anyway.
I don't expect people to like get that. <laughs> you still overheating? You literally look like you're overheating. The <laughs> GPU needs to cool down. You just run on the block. That's okay. I, I think I'm just overwhelmed by all the cool shit there is in here and like the cool shit that we've talked about today. <laughs> like, There's so much more cool shit to learn. Overstimulation. Like, you know, you know, like sometimes when I think about, I was oh good, you're recording. Like some, sometimes like you know. Uh, <clears throat> oh, you didn't even realize. Sorry. No, no, no it was just like okay, limits, right? Like your room, like okay, I was like, I was trying to exercise like this morning. Um, I watched this really cool like Instagram reel. Um, I know I don't have TikTok, but I end up scrolling on reels. But one of them was like kind of like he's like, okay, sit in a room, five minutes, put a timer, think about all the things you could do, think about the person you want to become, reset the timer, now think about things that you can do to move yourself in that direction. Mm. Probably those things are less hype or like less grand as the previous things, and then do it one more time and think about like like this, break it down into the smallest little thing where you can actually do the thing, like take action. And not just make it a dream and do of excellence and somehow repeat that every day and then just after 50 minutes you go do it but like something i was thinking about was like you know it's kind of funny it is it's like totally different from what he was talking about like he was like standing in the middle of the room and imagine and here's the other thing if you stand in like rooms right think about rooms like the rooms they're great but like they're also actually <laughs> limits like if you think about like the things you can imagine like if you spent like hmm. what i'm saying is like you can imagine things that you know that things that you see experiences you've got and really comes down to experiences. If you can optimize to get a shitload of experiences mm. and uh, you probably viewpoint of the world and things you can imagine, things you want to do and all these things are probably greatly enhanced. Um, then here's the counter question. As much as that, that is good, here's the counterpoint. Um, how much of those does it enhance or does it dilute the true self within you? Uh, you know, sometimes people say like, Think about what you want, like what you enjoy doing for fun after school when you're like seven years old, when all you had to do was like color in the thing. And just, uh, for me, it was like Simplicity Legos. Was, yeah. Or like Trying to games. open up dad's computer, guessing yeah. the password. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> video it was games. like super somehow enjoyable and romantic even because life was simpler and life was easier and you didn't have to think about all this stuff. Yeah, you're not going only to worry. GPU overdrive right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the other thing is, I don't think I've really been conscious i mean okay i have been conscious like in high school obviously but i don't think just time right has allowed me to have this breathing space to really think and dig deep into these things but yeah th- those are two different <clears throat> perspectives i think i just laid out i'm just kind of like yeah there's a lot there <laughs> <laughs> all right maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up here do you have any i don't know just final thoughts or final like little conclusions how it much are like... we at the podcast oh wow yeah i don't know I mean, we can go on podcast. i don't mind it's just i actually don't have anything i'm doing i just uh, i don't either it's nice i mean like i have cadence. some calls but i can this is way more interesting this is more interesting <laughs> um, they're their friends it's fine i already told them that i'm, I'm doing this with right now. and i don't know i make decisions as to like i sorry i keep on saying like oh i just haven't gone around to publish all my podcasts but like really i kind of just like pick the ones that i think are actually good or actually interesting and publish or not publish i'm pretty confident i'll publish this one yeah um, yeah mm. i'll also do the same thing this will be the initiation <laughs> you'll also do the same thing what do you mean i mean um oh you I, think you get the audio for this Oh, good luck with that. I don't know. You're at my place with my equipment. <laughs> this is my audio. No, I'm joking. You can have it, obviously. You can yeah, publish yeah. it as your first if you want. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, usually my, my vision for a podcast is like... I'm my vision. Like... <laughs> no, hey, hey, to be Sorry. fair, I think I showed you like... Yeah, you can take it. I'm joking. <laughs> do what you want. I don't care. Yeah. Basically, like... I mean, it literally is very similar. It's just like there's so many cool people I want to you know interview Talk with, and just yeah, learn about their, their, their life story. And you yeah. know, I think I think this this is cooler because like we didn't really talk 
as much in like the background life story we just jumped into like the deep end with like all these like Great. things that we want to get off and like think about but um yeah overdrive right now <laughs> so, <laughs> like i need a massage by skull you know, like a brain massage if that was possible yeah like i keep doing like i keep like putting my eyes like this because it's like no because this this is like these are like interesting here's the other question i've been thinking about how many pivots how many actual pivotal moments can you have in your lifetime like you probably can't pivot so much like you know uh, i mean like this could be this could end up being one of them where two years later i'm like all right fuck space i'm doing like (laughs) i'm doing like i'm doing longevity Thanks, Good, do it. I mean, but it, it takes a certain um, like, lack of pride or a certain humility to, to like, recognize that and say like, whoa, this is actually more important. And here's the thing. Remember at the very beginning where I was like, investability in you, Sondra, whatever, right. like that to me means actually, I, I still believe in that now because you could go on to exit that and then your SpaceX is yeah. longevity X, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Elon's... I, I know there's this thing, like, uh, so my friend CJ, I mean, you also know CJ, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so, like, he, he was, Monument. like, yeah, he sent me the thing about, like, oh, you know, like, this thing about Sam Altman was writing in an article or a blog or whatever, but he sent me the screenshot. He's like, oh, you know, he's saying, like, people who say that, they, oh, I, I'm on these face, I want to do all these things, but first I'm going to do, like, this. Okay, you know, fine, but, like, I, I do like what Elon did. Like, I mean, it's it a good cool. model, it's, yeah, and it's good it model, actually makes yeah. sense. To meme it is fine, and I get that, and it's good to make fun of yourself a little bit. And there are people, like, the scientists that do basic research and live off of ramen noodles and sacrifice the sort of, like, hype of getting to be part of startup to just go directly into the thing itself. Eventually they might. That's commendable. I actually appreciate that. Right. Like, there's a lot of scientists that do that. There's multiple paths. It just depends on what kind of person you are. Are you going to be the founder entrepreneur that, like, creates a, you mm-hmm. know, billion-dollar company and then invests that money into something else? Or are you the technical skills person who just needs to like be in the textbooks and like that's great actually we need a ton of those people i think i'll be the former i think if if i I kept up the path of being like a bookworm when i was 12 i would be the latter so i guess this is another development thing but here here's another thing i really like that perspective there's a lot of different paths because one thing that i wanted to do so again more personal experiences yeah (laughs) being wanting to be an astronaut right so i was like so I was scouring, like I was like, shit, man, I got glasses, like how, how, how am I supposed to go to space? And then I read Chris Hadfield's book, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, and that was a pivotal one. That was one of those moments where I was like, because I learned in that book that this man, he talks a lot about this thing called the Glider Pilot Scholarship Camp, and about air cadets. I was like, fuck, I gotta join Air Cadets. So for a whole year, I tried convincing my mom and dad, oh, I'm gonna join Air Cadets. I'm that's the cadets. start. That's where yeah, that was the start. Be. And I was like, this is a pathway, right? Yeah, going this back, a... you're like, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, so I'll get to the point in a sec, but it's just like, my, my parents fought like, oh no, you're joining the army, so I spent a year convincing them. Uh... I joined a year late, worked my ass off for two years with a singular goal of getting to this glider pilot scholarship camp, okay. which involved like, <clears throat> spending a lot of bullshit time in like drill, standing there like this, yeah, yeah. like this for three hours on parade square, and like, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of different things, and you know, eventually I got it, and I was like over the moon, I was freaking out. But you like, didn't get like, it. I did get it. I did get in. Like, yeah. It was like a 1% chance. I was just like stung my ass off. I got sick before the exam. I took like so much Sudafil before. I just, wow. Yeah. It was like the best like arc of my life. And then TLDR, I went to the camp. It was an amazing experience. You'd be living on a Comox Air Force Base. Yeah. I have like an ID card that has like, you know, the military thing and everything. It's like insane. But um, I thought the academic part was going to be hard. The actual part was hard. It was like getting nervous in the cockpit. Uh, long story short, I failed my last extra duel, so you get six backup fights. 
Um, they actually told me that it was my fifth, because he had six. Told me on the ground after I failed that it was like six. I was kind of bummed out about that. I did actually cry for a long time. It was like a huge slump for me. Socially, I also went through a slump as well. But um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because after, the way that I bounced back, or just like moved on, was just like realizing, shit, I was so bogged down that I had to follow this guy's path. Like, you don't need to. There's so many other ways. And I, was, and I just... Not only that, the astronaut of the future simple, is not going to be the astronaut of Chris simple, Hadfield. Exactly. And simple Google search requirements to be astronaut. Dude, you don't need to no, be a fighter. Like, that's not like, even a requirement. Engineering degree or science degree. No. There's so many different powers. Yeah. You can't even plan for it. No. I mean, SpaceX literally will automate the entire process. You don't even need to be an astronaut. What you need to be is probably more like uh, somebody who knows how to grow crops on Mars. Like that's going to be more useful than like having 20/20 vision and being able to fly a glider pilot. Anyway, sorry. Exactly. Commendable exactly. to you for having vision to recognize why that thing. And that's the thing. Sometimes life giving you failure. I know it's such a freaking trite thing to say these days, but that's like good. failure is success, right? <laughs> like especially in your early days, absolutely it can be something that helps you take a step back, a bird's eye view, right. ironically to the freaking glider pilots, right? Take a bird <laughs> eye view from that. And like, yeah, see even fun. higher. <laughs> right, yeah, actually though. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm taking your chair. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just... I, You're pacing? You like pacing? Right. This, yeah. is, this is what's... Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's a sauce. It know? gets the brain moving, the GPU cooling. Ah, Richard Feynman's interesting. Yeah. The six easy pieces. Meaning of it all. Finished. Oh, meaning of it all. Well, so this is a series of lectures in a book um, that... Farnham Street. Yeah, yeah, that one. Look in the first. Look in the first uh, page of it. Oh, it is great mental models. Interesting. The great it's mental models. Look in the first inside. page. It's inside the. Or second page, sorry, I guess. Page. Third page. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> one wait. of the first oh. pages. Hi, Stephen. Ah, uh, nice. It's a little hello from Naveed and Nadim, nice. the founders of TKS. They gave me that book. Nice, nice, nice. The quality of your thinking depends on the models. Are it gets back to mind space, right? Minds, you know, what thoughts. If you keep a clear, uncluttered mind and continually, like, you know, declutter it, then you probably lead to better decision-making, mm. better actions. The other thing is always, like, entropy. Your room always gets messy. It's just a you lot You have to be continually too. cleaning it up, and it is the Sisyphean effort, you know, Sisyphean Sisyphus, effort, the yes. whatever, and you the have to keep, keep going, keep cleaning, keep pushing, uh, or else, you know, what's it all for? Hmm. Here's... Something I also think about sometimes is like, you know, there's a lot of ideas, paradigms, and just like actions that people follow that, like, okay, in the 1800s, there's probably a lot of standards that nowadays we look back and like, what? That's bullshit. This is not right. This is immoral. Or maybe they're just doing it wrong. This is slow. Or like 2200, probably something somewhere for us. There's nothing to avoid that, I guess. Nope. But it's just an interesting thing well, to consider. Well, you can avoid it a little bit. Like, there were thinkers in our past, like Lucretius and others, who mm. recognized that secular, like, you know, they recognized the gods, you know, quote-unquote gods of the Greek pantheon were bullshit. And they were atheists, and they were, like, you know, cast out for that. And they were way ahead of their time. Right. For us, probably, like, animal factory farming is, you know, just definitely an ethical bad, and we should probably all be vegetarian. We should probably all fly less. We should all buy electric cars. Like, there are some things that we can... things that people in the future would probably look Honestly, that's really all we can kind of, like, do for real, other than, you know, like, who knows what other ethical things we're not even considering. If we were more intelligent or more capable, we would, like, recognize. But that's, I think, the most we can do. The, the other thing that I found was interesting was when I was reading Evolution of Everything, I forgot who it's by, but there's one line where he, the author comments about how um, it's interesting that um, like you have pedophilia and then you have like homosexuality, right? So it's like as time went on, 
homosexuality was more widely adopted and accepted, and pedophilia was more like that's an interesting one. Like put down. Yeah. If you think about it, on, on a fundamental perspective, both of them have the same like one person has an attraction yeah. towards but another born being. With. Yeah. So then it's like okay, what are some things? Because wow, yeah, I mean to us it's like oh yeah, obviously that's messed up and this is okay. But then, like, you know, maybe, yeah. like, 100 years later, there are things to us that are just perfectly normal that yeah. people are like, hell no. Nah. And people, like, that are perfectly not good right now, people are like, hell yes. It's like, oh. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I think probably, like, the two consenting adult things will continue. Like, you know, the sort of, like, innocent mind not being, you know, polluted. I, I think that probably will continue to be a thing. But the ostracization of pedophilia right now and the fact that we kind of just label that as a cycle. And like, imagine, you know, we could use AI to generate a whole bunch of like images that would satisfy somebody and make them less likely to do pedophilic things that would like actually do something bad for society. I actually think that would be okay because then you're like, nobody's getting harmed and the people that are just born with this condition that they couldn't control, you know, like they're given their satisfaction. I don't know, like they're less likely. It goes likely. back to your biological thing. Like if you can yeah, change you the could desire turn, turn off, off something yeah, else. Yes, pedophilia right? is actually a really good example then potentially. I mean, I don't know if I want to use that because it would be very cancelable and like yeah, just yeah, very yeah. fully contentious. But yeah. um, it, it's a perfect one. Exactly. Like would we want to turn, like imagine asking the pedophile, if we could turn this off for you, would you do it? You know, I would argue regular sexuality should fall into the same category. Where it's like, why would you choose to go out of your way to insert a rod like appendage into a mushy cavity? You know, I'm describing a penis and a vagina. Why would you choose to do that oh. if before that you didn't have that desire? If instead right. you had the desire for theoretical astrophysics? This is the thing. I think like people who have had that experience in the past, it would probably be hard for them to say no exactly. at first because they yeah. have that memory. But for those who like yeah. have no idea, like you, maybe like yeah. nine years, they're like, oh, well, yeah, I want to read more books. Like, I don't want to do all this nasty, yeah. like, cookie yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you gave them a taste, that's the thing. I bet if I gave you as, are you um, straight? Yeah. Yeah. So if I gave you a taste of being asexual and having sure. no desire for sexuality, and, and I was just like, here's your life for five minutes without any sexual desire for women, then you'd be, in that frame of mind, you'd be like, yeah, this is great. And then I turned you back and you'd be like, Huh, I actually like this also, yeah, right? Yeah. The fact that it's like the same both ways, the only differentiation is your own critical thinking, hmm. is your own logic and your own ability to like philosophize about it and say, I can see why not wanting to do this arbitrary dumb thing is, you know, valuable. It's, it's valuable not to want to do that. But I, yet, I, you hmm. know, when I was 18, I did not make the decision to become a eunuch because I am human. And the human body is complex and hormones are complex and messing with it probably would lead me to depression and would lead me to like lack of motivation and who knows a bunch of other things that might, sure, I'd get an extra five, 10 years, but maybe I'd commit suicide at age 50 or something. I was thinking that. Right? Yeah. Like there would be, ah, just, it, it's such a tough one. Maybe like, yeah. like, that's an irreversible decision. Yeah. Like yes, that's an irreversible one. That's so, right. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you define irreversible decisions? That's something. Irreversible? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And there's this, it, so there's ones where it's like obviously irreversible, like committing suicide, cutting your arm or something, <laughs> cutting your cutting arm your off. But off. even that, like, if we're talking about being optimistic about a future where we could Replace. make people live longer, we, you know, growing an arm back is easier than making people live longer. That may actually end up being so. There's a certain uncertainty, I think, fundamentally built into the question of whether a decision is reversible or not. Right? Some decisions are definitely reversible definitely irreversible but then there's a giant gray space where it's like uncertainty of reversibility right like i get a gym membership and like mm, i'm locked in for a year of paying 25 dollars a week for a whole year is it reversible or not 
Maybe. Maybe the people at the gym suck at tracking and I can kind of just get away with it. Maybe they're really good at tracking and like I can't get away with it and they're willing to go to court to get me to pay my $25. I just don't know. Uncertainty, right? right? Hmm. I mean, even money is technically a reversible decision, right? Like Anything losing related, cost. Yeah. It's, like, it's just some cost fallacy. It's uncertainty. There's uncertainty built into whether it's reversible or not, for sure. Hmm. Light going off in the computer there. You see this? There's like a little like bright singular light on the motherboard there. That one right there. Yeah, I've never seen that, that white light. From. That's weird. I don't know. I've never seen it. I just got this computer too. Uh, let me pull up the settings. Holy shit. So this is the other thing. When you, okay, I'm curious then. When you think of longevity, what... Let's say, yeah, people are like, oh, I want to work on it. Like, what should I study? People who ask that question. I still feel like computer science is pretty versatile, but... Yeah. It depends, I guess, how you want to contribute to longevity. Right? And there's here's the thing. There's, there's still no uncertainty right. on the strategies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, one strategy is what I'm doing, which is, like, let's replace... So my idea, I guess we can yes. get into this let's, if you let's want. Let's get into it. Sure. So <laughs> my idea, more, and I think more ideas. Think, so David Sinclair, one of the like a Harvard professor, medical pro, you know uh, medical prof professor dude who's super sure, amazing, sure. smart Harvard. guy, okay. smart guy, great. He thinks that we should activate existing mechanisms in the body, things like mTOR and um, mTOR. Uh, so mTOR is this pathway, and uh, uh, what do you call it? It's it's the. Um... I can see the veins popping up in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Megamind is coming. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Rapamycin. Yeah. So it's the mechanistic target of rapamycin, or something like that. Anyway, and then there's sirtuins. There's all these pathways that exist wow. in your body already <laughs> that you could activate. And if you activated all of them in the perfect way, then the body would protect itself. Right? There are already genetic pathways that kind of protect itself, and you can activate all of those and give yourself another 20, 30 years potentially. Really? I just think that that's limited. Yes. So, you know, when humans go through periods of bad times, like this is like a fundamental in biology, right? When times are tough, when the environment is not providing enough food, when the climate is horrible, you know, things are just clearly bad, there are fundamental gene circuits that activate that say reproduction is not a priority, survival is a priority. And that is called adversity mimetics. So you're, sorry, sorry. That's called adversity. <laughs> and then adversity, what we try okay. to do with things Different. like yeah. fasting is uh, mimetic, meme adversity. So, you know, I am fasting every day until six, mm -hmm. just personally. That's what I'm already doing. Sorry, I sound like I'm kind of convoluted because I'm just so excited about explaining this. No, this is, good. This, is good. <laughs> this is good. I'm learning a lot just I by just, listening. Yeah. I just realized that my mind is kind of getting to the next thought before my lips are yeah, catching that, up that's, with me that's, saying That's always thing. good. I've done that too. That's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. Um, yeah, so you can kind of mimic the adversity that would happen in an environment where my body is being challenged um, and get the same positive health effects, right? So okay. anyway, that's so, what fasting accomplishes. So basically putting yourself through adversity activates those 10 to 20 years. That's right, those okay. pathways that give you 10 to 20 years. <clears throat> but 10 to 20 years is like great, but it's not a thousand extra years. It's a start though. It's a it could make the difference between what you're talking about It's a earlier. start and I'd rather, like, that is a thing that is like quite certain now is that I think you could fast, you could activate these adversity memetics, maybe we could come up with some drugs that will like actually do it for us in ways that are more powerful even. Mm. And I support that, 100%. But I wanna go, I think a little bit more ambitious. Okay. I wanna do replacement. So. Yeah, it's coming. All right. I'm ready for something to blow my mind. And I'm like, 
oh shit, I can't sleep tonight. And I'm like, call you at 2 a.m. and say, Steven, we need to talk more about this. <laughs> okay, I mean, I love the energy. Holy fuck. Um, this is cool. I'm, I'm not even in biology, but hey, I'm always open to You're open to ideas. Things. Here's the book. It's uh, somebody oh, else. I mean, it's not like original to me. Okay. Oh, so this Oh, so this is where it came from. Okay. Well, I, I, thought, I thought about this independently, but this person is already a PhD person who like, you know, has been thinking about it longer than I have and who agrees with me and thinks that it is the right direction. And they published a book called Replacing Aging. Mm-hmm. And I think it just makes sense. So replace the old parts with young parts. It's that simple, right? Like, we are an old, rusting car. Like, pure chills, blood boys. The blood boys, honestly, yes. <laughs> Actually. Actually. Okay, tell me more, tell me more. So, I mean, okay, here's the simplest version. I'll let you, yeah. The simplest version of this would be, uh, you know, you, your body becomes 90 years old, but when you were, like, uh, let's say, uh, when you were 70, we created a clone of you. And that clone grew to be 20 when you are 90. But that clone was brain dead. Literally, it had everything that a human body needed, except for the part that hosts consciousness. So you're saying when I'm 17? 70. 70. 7-0. Okay. When you're 70, we create a clone of you that is zero, right? So then it ages, it becomes 20, and you become 90. When you are 90, we take the part of your brain... Stick it in there, and I'm 20 again. Yes. Where do you get the cells are they artificial it's a clone so like literally we just like you know take a sperm and an egg from you or uh, there's so many different ways to do it potentially but so like we take an egg yeah it's actually like uh, so they've cloned before like you know the dolly the sheep was a clone it was actually forget how did they create dolly the sheep but like there's a number of ways that i can imagine doing it um you take an egg that no but the egg would have genes from someone else you would have to like yeah how would you yeah, so I think it's somatic nuclear transfer. So what it is is you take that. Oh, you, yeah, that's right. Sorry, you take a zygote. So a zygote is an egg Z-gut. and a sperm that have already joined. Sorry. Uh, I just I know the French version because I did it in French. What's it called? Zygote. Zygote. I think. I think. Good. Podcast listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 cancel me. <laughs> so you, you take a zygote, which zygote, is okay. an egg and a sperm that have already joined. Meiosis has already happened. All of that, you know, like the the sorry, meiosis happened in sperm. Meiosis happened in the egg. And now their mixed up genomes have already combined into the like zygote thing that is going to go on to create a human. But then you go, whoops, you take out that set of DNA and you replace it with yours. Is that literally what they're showing here in the book? Yeah, yeah you found it. Okay, good. <laughs> so you replace that DNA with Skylar DNA, and then it just goes on to boot up to be a new Skylar. I mean, but how do you like do the actual process from mechanical process of? Brain here. Oh, the, the, okay, so that's another thing, right? Oh, so now you skip forward thing. 20 years, that thing has grown up to be a Skylar. So this is the technology that we need to develop. But First you of all, need to feed the... Right? Of course, yeah. So let me get to it, okay. let me get to it, let me get to it. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, <laughs> we would, I would want to then at that point not just clone Skylar, I would want to modify this new zygote Skylar to grow up minus the brain part that is crucial for consciousness, which we don't know yet. That's the part that I think we would need to find out. But we can safely assume that it is like most of the brain is probably responsible for like your consciousness. Anyway, the point is, I think you kind of get the general strategy here, which is like replace your old parts with young parts in as wholesale a fashion as possible. That is at least conceptually a thing that we could start to work on today, technologically. Has anyone done it before? So there have been like head transplants that have been experimented on so russian scientists literally took monkey heads and they like swapped them 
so they just like put one monkey head on another monkey head. I'm gonna open the door because it's actually getting a little hot in here. Yeah. Um, it's gonna get a little little noisy, but uh, at least we're gonna be cool. Um, so yeah, they've done head transplants, but like there was not really a good reason to do that research. You know, they they weren't kind of justified in doing it. I don't know, they were a little bit, but it was like I don't know, it was experimental. It was just kind of I don't know why honestly they did it, but. Um, yeah, so that's what I think is the more likely strategy. That's the best approach, in my opinion, is replacing stuff. But even then, you could argue the parts of the brain that are yours that are 90 years old, those neurons themselves will start to go bad. So if you look at the cover of that book, actually, it is a image of old cells and young cells together. And the young cells are slowly taking over the old cells. So are you familiar with the old Greek tale of the Theseus ship? Uh, no, I don't know. Okay, don't so it. the story goes, you know, there's a grand voyage that is about to be set off into the ocean by a set of Greek adventurer warrior people, whatever. And Jason and the Argonauts? Uh, I guess imagine something similar to that, yeah, but like, it's their Odysseus? ship is called the Theseus. Oh, okay. It might be there. I don't know, maybe it is that story. Uh, but no, just anyway, whatever. They're on a ship called the Theseus, and they're on a, like a long-ass voyage, they're, and they know they're going to be on a long voyage. So they go to one port, and by the time they've already gone a year, they need to replace the mast. Oh, you literally pulled it up in this book now, too? No, 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 no. It's just like... What you, sorry, sorry. Uh, the trans... What? <laughs> the transplanted vagina is from a remarkably normal tri-layered structure composed of a lumen surrounded by inter-epithelium, a normal matrix, and muscle. Survival of the transplant in the woman indicates that the organs are vascularized, and the performance suggests that they are innervated. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's citing a whole bunch of experiments where, like, micro-versions of replacement have been tried, um, which I think actually makes a lot of sense. You would probably... Are you thinking of, like, a, like one, like... Yeah, are your parts eventually replaced? Like, you know, your brain, 90-year-old to 20-year-old, that easy? Or are you thinking, like... Like this, like okay. So the, the simplest version to explain is the one where you just have a young clone of yourself that you just transplant your consciousness into, and then it's you know the immune systems are good with each other. It's just my old parts of the brain that host my consciousness into a young part of my body. Just one, one to one. It's it's the simplest way to kind of explain it, in my opinion, right? Then what I'm trying to get at, you know, you so rudely interrupted me with the Theseus ship, right? Because the, the yeah. you would still have those old parts of your brain that are neurons that would need to somehow, something would have to happen with those. Those are still old cells, right? Those neurons that were old that transplanted the young body. So the story of the Theseus ship is the ship that goes off for a 15, 20, 30 year voyage. The first year, the mast breaks. So they stop at a port and they replace the mast. And then the next year, you know, parts of the hull break, so they replace that. By the time they come back to their home port 15, 20 years later, literally every part of the ship has been replaced. So then the philosophical question to ask you is, it's the same design, it looks basically the same, it acts the same, but every single atom has been replaced by a new atom, right? It is now a new hull and a new mast and a new everything. Is it still the ship of Theseus? Oh, basically, yeah. I, I remember the thing about, you have an old ship, replace everything, new parts, is it still the old ship? I'm asking you. Oh, um... I don't think it's the same old ship, but maybe if the people still work there and they still operate it, it could be considered the same old crew. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's a puzzle. It's a bit of a paradox. 
and consciousness, it may be similar. It may be that if you slowly replace as the cover of this book, maybe I'll have to like include this somehow because we keep talking about it, but it's just a bunch of green neurons and a bunch of red the neurons. Show notes. Sort of like, yeah, show notes or something, right? Like they're just kind of like intermingling with each other. Um, and what it is showing is that final part where it's like, can we do experiments where even the neurons themselves can slowly start to be replaced by young neurons that perform the same function? And because it's happening over a long enough period of time, consciousness stays the same. Like it is still the sameness of consciousness, which is ultimately kind of what we care about the most. Anyway, sorry, that's the strategy that I hope will blow your mind. You have to think more about. Um, but but how, how do you like, so is this where skunk works? Skunk works! Is this where, is this how you plan to implement it? Like basically the question is how do you plan to do what you just said? What I just did? Yeah, what I mean, I don't, uh, I'm still early. Like I'm still, I'm 29 right now and I'm still kind of like, I, I think there's a lot of development to go before we can get to that level. Um, and I want to just do a whole bunch of like fundamental work in these next two decades or three decades that will kind of like create the tools that would enable us to do something like this. Um, I'm not even going to attack it directly yet. I think I'm going to start attacking it directly when I'm like in my 50s or 60s. Then I'll be like full force, go for any, you know, the rest of the bio, bioengineering community will help develop new tools, new things that will help come out. For me, I think right now I just need to like be an engine that creates new possibility. Um, uh, new inventions come at, like CRISPR, for example, was just people doing basic research, exploring bacterial genomes. Um, I want to do that for embryology. I want to just explore generally the magic of one cell becomes an entire human baby. That process is super mineable. There are so many discoveries that are possible in that space that I want to explore and play in and maybe some groundbreaking stuff will come out of that that will make it easier to help us live longer in this sort of replacing aging strategy. Or maybe new strategies will come up. Open-ended exploration is what Skunk Works is going to be. My Skunk Works, Stevens Skunk Works, whatever. Because Skunk Works is, I stole that name. It was a, a project from the 50s that created fighter jets. <laughs> Just like, hmm. Thinking about like, Yeah, it would be really. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're actually thinking about this. You're not just like reflexively responding with something. Shit, like. I, I think mean, I've convinced you. This is what you've got to be working on, or at least like do Sonder, make a whole bunch of money so that you can work with me on this. Yeah, like literally, I was thinking like, okay, what's okay? There's a lot of thoughts, but what the image that's recurring right now in the next last minute or two was. Or like Wright brothers, kind of like they're just like two bros who are you know running a bicycle shop and oh suddenly flying <laughs> like they didn't know shit you know they had competitors like uh, with Smithsonian right and they're like you know actually funded and they're like but I feel like the cool thing about Skunk Works like I don't know this is not really a suggestion this is just a vision that I also have 100% you probably would be, it, I I see a vibe of like you and like whoever else is working on it just like banging like the keyboard well okay not the keyboard but like yeah the embryos until like Oh shit! This works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be fun. 100%. I wanna, that's the thing. I think I have successfully done the job, at least with you right now, of attracting talent to like work on this kind of thing. I just don't. I can't imagine a more philosophically interesting and important thing to work on. And I think your mind it has followed me logically right up until here, at least. Yeah. Which is nice, honestly. This is like the first time on my podcast, whatever you call this thing, conversation yeah. cast, where 
somebody has actually followed my logic right until the very end. I, I mean, it makes like, sense. Like I see completely, I see completely where you're coming from. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I should be flattered or if, like you're just you're young also, and I've had a lot of people, you know, come up with objections that I think are maybe possibly valid, but I don't think so. I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's... Anyway, maybe we'll get it there. I don't know if you want to... Ah, shit, like, now... Oh, man, like... Space the... Is, is, I think of this is, 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 is I'm gonna need software people. Stuff even, huh? uh, yeah, the, and that's the thing with crypto. It's like crypto is cool, and I even have my own ideas in crypto. But like, whenever I think, and I literally have on the whiteboard over there. But like, you know, I literally think of crypto as a means to an end. It's like a hype cycle to like take advantage of to make more money to fund this because this is ultimately more important. Crypto is nice though. It's like a technological revolution that is happening that is interesting and like worth paying attention to. Hundred percent. I'm I'm into anything technological or like you know scientific that is kind of out of left center. We didn't expect Bitcoin like that was super cool, um, but it's it's ultimately a smaller story compared to I think the story that I'm painting for you right now. Like when we imagine a future of you know spaceships and you know bending the laws of physics and space and time itself and like. 10xing our intelligence, you know, and then we say, oh, but you can democratize how you make payments for people. It's like, oh, that's cool too, you know, but it's here's, like... Here's my thought process again. I don't know how accurate this is going to be, but like, okay. Again, maybe I'm just too very biased towards people-centric, but it's like... A lot of cool things can happen, a lot of cool innovations. Okay, we get... 10, if we can get 10% of the world, or even less, 5%, like just, I don't know how many millions... That's probably a lot of hundreds of millions people to be up to the threshold where they're able to like have the financial security to like work on things that they're interested in. Okay, we do that. So that that's like the vision of science. Do do that. We probably make a bubble of money in the process of the transaction. But still, next thing, also societally important and meaningful. Right. Solid. Then the next thing after Sonder is okay. Then space travel longevity. One of the things where it's like fuck. It's like huge ass impact. Big vision. We don't understand how much impact is it going to be, but we know it's probably going to be a lot of impact. Yep. That kind of sums up both space and longevity. So I don't know, like, if I think about my lifetime, I hope it's around 29 by the time I get to this level, or maybe, maybe 25. I, I don't know. I mean, like... Hmm. You're on your path. I mean, you're literally talking... You just scored an investment from 15, 17. I talked with them, and they didn't invest with me. I mean, other people invested with oh, really? me, but, like... Wow. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can <laughs> tell you that. But, yeah, William, he... Did, he we literally talked about... Um, uh, uh, what's that called? The oh, that argument where it's like whether or not you believe in God, you should just believe. You should go through the motions anyway, just in case. Uh, oh, uh, Pascal's wager, whatever. He and I had a conversation about Pascal's wager. It was cool and intellectual, but they ended up passing on Acorn. Eh, whatever, their loss, I guess. Hmm. Um, but anyway, sorry. You're clearly doing pretty okay. You know, you're 19 and you've literally already gotten a decent investment from 15, 17 ventures in SF, and I'm sure more will follow. As you continue to build and you know gain momentum and traction, so I don't know. I think you're doing better than I was when I was 19. I just hope that I continue to be on the path of like taking risks and actually following through with my actions, because you know I know school will be good. Like it's an ex you know for aforementioned reasons of like being with a lot of coolest people, serendipitously meeting them. Whether or not I finish or not, that's whatever. We'll find out. Like you know as I gain more experience, as I make more decisions with that experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like my methodical hmm. process of decision-making, I think, currently. Um, I just hope that, yeah. I'm pretty confident that, yeah. Actually, when I was in the bathroom, what I was thinking about was like, <laughs> shit, like, 
what what type of person will I become? Like, cause like hearing your story, right? I was like, oh, oh, I become what I'm twenty nine. You know, like, wow, what what pathway? You know, what what things like maybe when I'm twenty five, will I look back at nineteen and I'll say, wow, I thought this is the coolest thing. Now this is the coolest <laughs> thing. And then thirty, I'm like, wow. I don't think about that a lot. I don't know why I keep thinking about like, you know, as time passes, how things will change. But it's like a recurring theme as well that I noticed in this conversation. That I it's good though. It's good that you are, there are not enough people that are like seriously introspective and seriously ponder their own priorities and their own existence and their own kind of like what they're doing. Um, that is super valuable for you to do, for sure. Keep doing that and like keep reassessing and tell me if you come back and you're like, because for me, everything, all the philosophy that I've been telling you about like how I prioritize my life, I came up with this when I was like 14, 15 and I kind of haven't changed my mind since. I haven't heard anybody else tell me of a better direction that I should be uh, putting my efforts into. If you, you're 19 now, hopefully this isn't, Maybe this is the coolest thing you'll hear and the best direction of your efforts and time for the next three, four years, five years, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But if you come across something that's even cooler or that supersedes this somehow, you exactly, <laughs> you have to tell me. Number two podcast. Yeah. Like, we'll come back and do a little uh, follow-up pup. Yeah, no, that, I think, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the amount of shit that you can do if you're longer. Yes. More time. And here's the only thing is just how possible is it? You did ask that question, and I think it was a good question, Mm -hmm. which is like actually how likely is it that we will extend our lifespans? And you kind of have to know about the literature. If you look at, so the thing that I have printed on the desk over there, you know, this is sort of my like pseudo lab right now where it's like I literally just have a dissecting microscope and a couple of papers and an embryo. That paper that's open there on the, this says the eye blastoid right there, yeah. yeah. So that is one of the, I think, most exciting papers that I think is on par with like CRISPR as like, one of the most exciting advancements that have happened recently, our ability to take individual cells from a human, like an adult set of cells from a body, turn them back into embryo-like cells, and then push them forward into creating a new embryo. Is like, it like acorn, like how you guys took the hair thing? And- yeah, yes, this would superpower acorn. Wait, have you done it to your own hair as well? Yeah, of course, so like, I founded the company, well, okay, yeah, why yeah. didn't I do that? <laughs> so like, how, is it like just in a... Yes, it's gonna, it's, there's thousands of can people I that Can I try have, this? You absolutely can freeze your own song. Yeah, actually, good point. You I, totally should. I can probably get I'm you losing dis- so much hair already. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the thing that my, my co-founder and I were like, ah, oh, we're losing so much hair. <laughs> yeah, okay, wait. I actually... Wait, what? Wait, yeah. You just need hair? So you pluck hair. It's, it's not just... So care, like the ends of your hair, it's keratin, which is just like protein. Right. That's not DNA, that's not living cells. What you need is living cells to freeze that will be alive in the future that you can grow and divide into other cells. That's what's gonna be valuable for the future, right? So with acorn, it's plucked hair. You have to pluck it. Oh yeah, I've done that when I was a kid. You see the yeah, root thing, you right? see the root, exactly. It's, sad. it's a little, yeah. So you need like 50, 60 plucked, like really good plucks. So it takes a little while actually, and it's kind of painful, but like you do it once. Um, and you pluck a whole bunch of them, pluck, 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 and they actually grow back better where you pluck anyway, by the way. Um, so you keep plucking, pluck, oh, pluck, they, pluck. they grow back? Yeah, they oh, grow back even stronger <laughs> because they get stimulated, whatever. Just, shower think about like... the superficial worry that you have right now, but like your looks versus like literally this could yeah. be your like longevity. And yeah, looking yeah. back, you'd be like, I'm a fucking idiot for even considering my looks as yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, if I, if I am alive again. Yeah, that's right. Oh, if yeah. you literally get to live an extra hundred years, it's like, oh my God, I almost didn't do this because of my looks. Anyway, so. So yeah, how do I do it? <laughs> I'm down, bro. You know the company, Google it. <laughs> like right. they have services yeah. in Toronto. You have to go to Toronto, and you, oh. you probably go to Toronto frequently enough. Yeah. So when you next time you go to the Toronto, it's um, I think it's it's actually a little expensive. It's like three hundred dollars. Um, honestly, I'd pay for it. Well, I actually thought it would be like 
way more, but yeah. So it's $300 up front to get the service done, to get yourselves banked, but then it's a Netflix per month after that. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, it's like... Okay, I guess you have to pay for keep the freezers. Frozen. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's why it's, by the way, a really good business model. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm rich. Yeah. I'm joking. That's not why I'm rich, but anyway. Yeah. I'm not rich. Maybe a we, we got We got more bigger fish to fry. We get bigger fish to fry, exactly. Yeah, like, Acorn is a good idea, and it's a good thing to have done, but like... <laughs> And I should rebank myself like three more times now, but like still, um, there's there's other things to I, you have to do something with those cells, like the paper that I was telling you about here. Anyway, sorry. So the question that I was that we were just debating was how likely do we actually think it is that we could potentially extend our lifespans? Papers like this are what excite me to say it actually might be possible. It actually is kind of getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I should I should have done this when I was in Toronto, because now I have this like thing in my back of my mind, shit, what if I like die in a car accident and I never like put my hair frozen? Oh well but then you're dead anyway. The oh, whole right, point right, is right. to bank your young cells so that when you're eighty you yeah, have young cells that you can grow. Yeah, it's not cryonics. It's... Have people tried to have people oh I guess you guys you are need still the young time. company, yeah. 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 You, like people need to do it like yeah. It's only been five years since the first like, three years, four years since the first cells have been banked. We launched yeah, three years ago now. Something like that. Um, the whole point is that it's the difference between the age of the cells that you banked and how old you are, right? When I'm, I guess, 44 or something like that, I will be 20 years older than the cells that I banked with Acorn. This is, I'm just thinking how crazy it is that, like, <clears throat> talking to you about this, <laughs> you know, like, you could pretty much be like, you think about it, if things go, if things go according to plan, People probably treat you like a god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> extending life, bro. Yeah. Like, shit. <laughs> I don't understand why more people aren't... Aren't working on this. Yes! We're competing with me. <clears throat> yeah, you've... you've def- hey, this is a good way to get customers. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> so here's the thing. Okay. I thought Acorn, this is how I'd get customers, by convincing them literally with the conversation that you and I have just had. I mean, I was already kind of, I already looked at Acorn before. Like, but like, not like until after this did you no, really no, feel like extent. it was like, important now, to do. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. now you really feel the importance. Guess what market Acorn is going for now? Because what? there haven't been enough people like you that have been like really thoroughly convinced. Uh, aging. Uh, sorry, sorry, aging. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I wonder what the market was. Oh, degen culture and crypto. <laughs> no, no, like uh, uh, beauty clinics. What? Beauty clinics, you know, Botox oh. and stuff. Yeah, oh. yeah, literally that. And it's... you can see how that market would want it, and that's where it has started to take off a little bit, which is why Acorn is how still succeeding about now. That? How do you feel? How do you think I feel? Not. I mean, it's fine, and as... it's if it needs to be there just for now to survive, great. But I'd rather have a million you people, like literally Skylar, sitting there thinking the way you're thinking about the actual rational reason that this is important and meaningful, I'd rather that be my customer than like right. somebody who's like superficially interested in their skin looking younger uh, when they're yeah, 40. Yeah, I mean, skins are just dead cells anyways. So. But yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Whatever. It's still a market and it's still important and it's still meaningful, but it's not what I would like the market to be. I would love the market to be rational people who understand the logic of why it makes sense. Uh, so actually with 1517 Ventures, believe it or not, I argued this with William. Where so William oh. is a, a partner at 1517. <clears throat> what I called it was Pascal's biotech wager. Okay. So I'll walk I'll walk this through with you. Yeah. Pascal's yeah, wager is a, an argument not for the existence of God, but for a reason in believing in God anyway. 
Pascal was a mathematician who lived in the 1500s, I think, 1600s. And what he argued was, okay, let's, let's plot this out. Let's make a little grid. Okay, if God doesn't exist, okay, in the universe where God doesn't exist, and you didn't believe in God, congratulations, when you die, nothing happens, period. Right? It's like not really a gain or a loss. If God doesn't exist and you believed, okay, maybe you lost a few Sundays and maybe you kind of like, you know, spent a little too much time mental space thinking about God and whatever, but like life wasn't actually that bad probably. Like you lived a Christian life with good moral values and whatever, it was fine. However, if God does exist and hell is real and heaven is real, You're you fucked. are risking, yeah, being fucked, like really fucked. Like yeah. you could be in hell forever, which is, holy shit, you're risking that by the way, versus heaven forever with all your friends and family. That's what you're risking because you're uncertain about whether gods exist or not. Wait, so, this is kind of like the same thing with like, what, like lunch. It's the same thing with acorn. Yeah, kind of like if. Yeah. If you can live longer. If than, you well, if you can bank your cells or, now. Yeah. And it costs you Netflix per month, which is like. This sure, is really a good a way to sell to VC. Yes, that's what I thought, and William <laughs> fucking turned me down. So yeah, the, the whole argument is just you would think that people would be like, oh yeah, it costs Netflix per oh, month. I mean, did you guys like, have like a product by then, or? Uh, we were ready for launch, but like we actually had a good number of other investors. Like we, it was we weren't nothing, and I had Drew coming on. Like we had yeah. gotten through YC. Like it was like a decent. Oh start. really? Jeez, I don't wow. blame I don't yeah. blame William. Whatever. Like it may just not have been in his thesis. There may be other things. Could have just were, been some other factor. Like it could have been some other factor or something. I'm not no, saying yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was actually I respected William because we did have this conversation or we talked about Pascal and we should reach back out and just keep, update him on. I don't maybe know. maybe. You're right. I don't yeah. know. Maybe this is why I'm talking to you, Skyler. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Danielle, if you're listening to this, uh, Stephen is a very cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe some future thing that I do, they'll invest in. Who knows? But I, I don't well, care. We could, you, know, you know, we could create uh, our own, like, yeah. fucking fun. At this point, like I'm over it. Like, it's whatever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the, yeah, that's Pascal's biotech wager. <laughs> that I think is worth thinking about. Yeah, banking yourselves is such a low-cost thing. You might as well do it because you're risking heaven or hell if it turns out we can use those young cells when you're 70 or 80 to make you live forever, potentially. You guys you're only risking... have a facility in Toronto? You don't have one in Vancouver? No, there's only one in Toronto, yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of like the clinic network in Toronto. Yeah, imagine we were in California. Yeah, I was going to say, like... Obviously. There's, like, everything is... Yeah. It I know. Is, hey, hey. I know. U of T, you know? Yeah, that's why okay. I still have... Yeah, anyway, um, sorry. I still have shares in California. California would be a good place to... Absolutely, obviously. Up. we got to expand slowly into it, yeah. The, and I'm sure competitors will prop up. Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. You guys get first mover advantage, I guess? Or, or there are new competitors? Yeah, there was literally a team of Harvard kids that came up with an idea that was, like, similar, and that was their, like... They got in the press and everything for having this, And like, then what happened? They just, I don't know. They just they didn't keep going with it. They pivoted and stuff, yeah. Because, I mean, it is hard. Like, I have not, we, Acorn did not find a substantial market of people like you and I that thought it was super valuable and important enough to bank their own cells, however logical and meaningful you and I are convinced right now that it should right. be. And instead, it's I, pivoted. I think the other thing is most people are not conscious of the fact, people don't think a lot about, okay, we're going to die someday. Maybe what I'm working on is not that important. Some people just go through the motions of life. That's something I was very scared of myself. That's how I felt actually in IB, just for those who are listening, International Baccalaureate, very intense and rich, so to speak, program in high school, in grades 11 to 12. I was just, I felt like a machine. This is something I wrote in my reflection as well. I just felt like a machine churning things out. I think about all the things you're going to explore and discover. If I didn't take this gap year, we would not have, be having this conversation right now, probably. 
and I would not be thinking about <clears throat> yeah, longevity. I would not, like even before that, I would not even explore crypto that much. I would not explore my own thinking and my own self and read a lot of like things like Farnham Street or like other. I mean, yeah, okay, people can argument while they're stupid, but I think it's an interesting way to like people argue that. What? Yeah, I've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think too much self-help can be done because it's like you need to just build. Like Elon, when he gets confronted with self-help type of like how do you like think about the psychology of your productivity elon he's just like what the fuck I, why are you asking me like it, it's not even a, like what i can you ask Mind me a rocket space. question like yeah, yeah he just doesn't care like because he's already like he just doesn't need the help he's already fine and just like can you ask me a question about the raptor v2 engine like that's what he cares more of your mental space so i think mental models are useful for people who have yet to like develop the right habits and the right sort of like techniques and the right sort of like whatever in their minds to get to focus on the science and the technology and the right vision. But once you've got those things, you don't need to keep thinking about mental models. It's like you kind of understand what they are, but like it becomes background. It should become the background. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. You know, I know like I'm 10 years, <clears throat> you're 10 years older, I'm 10 years younger and like I still have time to change, I think. But like, okay. Something I've been during this whole conversation, like last ten minutes, I've been thinking a lot about what do I, what, how am I, how is this gonna, how, what am I gonna do differently? Because I think, you know, nothing mm. is a seed, but I mean, internally, it also makes. I think the reason why it resonated really quickly with me is because I've also had a lot of these like, oh shit, like crises, existential crises about just us dying and stuff. But okay, here, the question is basically like, I imagine two paths, and again, with more experience, there could be more than two paths. And you probably have some more insight into this, but like, okay, you can go basically what I'm saying is full entrepreneur where you might drop out of school after two years, where you might <clears throat> iterate through a bit of different startups. And one of them could be this, like the next, like kind of what you're getting out. Like, let's just imagine Skunk Works was a startup. Let's just call it that as a label, just easy categorization. The other pathway, second one, is deep academia. You take the hardest courses, you go into this program that's super difficult you learn the shitty like not shitty mm. sorry like the grindy like yep. you know acting and all that stuff you maybe like stay in school for a phd yada 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 and then maybe you work as a researcher at that company or maybe you do something else like mm. if you think about it there's two couple of couple factors like <clears throat> founder market fit or like person ah. person activity fit yeah yeah or you type of person that thrives more in like the leadership setting with a vision setting or you type of person who thrives more in like getting nitty-gritty and just taking orders or something and then like but then there could be a third pathway i don't know like these are just different things that have been floating in my head in terms of like what i could do and again this is technically my space that's because you know i don't know i could change my mind but yeah i'm, I'm interested here like <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to go away from this and do some reflecting on your own because obviously right now you're kind of under my spell I shouldn't, yes. I shouldn't say that, but like you're like. I mean, still, like I'm in your house. And, yeah, and I'm just like. You need to go out into the world and talk to other I people and reflect like, yeah. and do your own thing. But exactly. Like, that's I good. think once you do that, I would actually love to hear your follow up on this After and like it, yeah. hear some like give me some like real critical feedbacky <clears throat> challenges to my way of thinking. Yeah. And to how confident I am that what I'm doing is the right thing and the right path. Because you might also, yeah. I would love to. Yeah. I would yeah, love to. Should. I'm open minded enough to hear good, good feedback for sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hope. Sorry, I shouldn't say hopefully, but like probably I think what will happen is you'll go out, you'll spend a week talking to people and doing your own reflecting, and I, you'll probably come to the same conclusion that I'm coming to, but that'll be a different version of you, right? A version of you that has left my apartment and yeah, has come Yeah, and it also won't be the exact carbon copy, of course. No, so that's like, right. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, yeah. everyone, yeah, it's like a thing. New perspectives yeah, and yeah. you've slept on it for several nights or something, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Like, I feel like, okay, 
my inclination is I'm going to go in the first pathway where I'll probably won't enjoy the nitty gritty research. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Mm, but just imagine. I could. I could. I haven't honestly tried enough, but. Imagine think, you did. You went to Berkeley. And, sorry, what's the program you've gotten accepted into? Um, electrical engineering, computer science. Electrical engineering? Yeah, and computer science. Oh, and computer. Okay, good. Yeah, and so yeah, the other one was U of T engineering science. By the way, CS might actually be very valuable. Here's another strategy yeah. for getting us to live longer. Oh, yeah, I should totally pitch you on this. So we create a simulation where we abstract out a lot of the genomic detail. So, okay, actually, let's imagine that we had a quantum computer that was super duper powerful and we could create a simulation that was like pretty damn accurate to like real life. Now put, so what were the environmental circumstances that led humans to live longer in the first place? Like we live longer than our chimp cousins, right? right? It was culture. Grandparents were valuable because they gave wisdom through language, right? Wisdom because of their age, yeah. And because of their age, because they got to be, so three generations or so, three, four generations was, you know, evolution selected for that because it was optimal for survival. That was the environment. The environment that we evolved in over the last one, two million years led to that and led to the minute genomic complex changes that created the long-lived humans that we are now. What if we could simulate that whole thing over again? Yeah. And instead we accelerate the pressures that led to longevity. And then we spit out a human genome that it's like, at the end of that whole simulation, that whole process, it's like we do it a thousand, 10,000 generations of huge pressure on longevity and we get a modified version of a human genome that we look at and it's freaking in the computer and we're like, damn, this genome here, if this was booted up into a new zygote, it would live to be So basically a the computer does the simulation of grinding and putting the pressure on the genomes on to the evolve. The genomes, current genomes to evolve into something where you have eight, gram, eight generations or something like That's that. Right. And then you inject that into a Z a new zygote. But the thing is, that wouldn't make us a just maker. Ha, right. But okay, you're right. Yeah, it wouldn't. But it would at least be like, ooh, can we learn from that? Can we learn from the genetic changes that have happened to that? It would be a start. You could maybe find yeah. a way to apply it to yourself. Like and now, yeah. actually, here's another step. So okay. we talked about replacing aging. Like, let's yes. take a clone of Skylar. And just put in that. Z yeah. yeah. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, I wonder how much processing power you need for Yes. That. I made an assumption on the processing power. You'd have to abstract a whole bunch of stuff. Right, but I, and here's another thing, Dolly, right? The AI program that just came out. Where yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried it. It's generating new viable images. That you say, crazy. you say, here's a flamingo that is supposed to be half underwater, under the shadow, in this kind of lighting with this type of artwork, yeah, yeah. and it produces, and this is my assumption, I think, a viable, quote unquote, viable version of that image, and a version of that of, of that description that actually makes some sense. That's what makes Dolly impressive. Now, instead of training a Dolly on trillions of internet images, train a version of Dolly on trillions of genomes. And the genomes that say, these are examples of viable genomes, genomes that boot up to be actual organisms that exist and like work, versus here's a billion examples of, bio, of genomes that don't work, that will like just kind of create mush or nothing, right? Like it won't do anything impressive. And now you give it a description. You say, create the mixture between a dog and a bird, and it'll create a bird dog that is viable. Oh. And now I'll say, create AI a version of a human. Creating, spitting out genomes of yeah. inputs like yeah. bird dog. Yeah, but instead of bird dog, which is fun and be cool pet or 1, something. 1,000-year-old human. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? So, okay, so this, this is all... This is all um, Ideas to support your point of why comp sci is important to study. It could be. It, and sorry, bioinformatics is already super important, but that's what I'm getting at. It's like here, maybe, here, yeah, go ahead. Here's a also a, a side note, but 
Can we take this part off the podcast? Yeah, you want to stop? Yeah. All right. Just well, there's, it was a there's, pleasure there's, chatting. There's there's more. Well, we'll just maybe pause, pause, but then I'll... Uh, okay, oh, but just in case it's a stop. All right. Oh, okay. uh, eat, bye. Eh. <laughs> okay.